Are you ready? This is Moffat on the Mic on the A1 Sports Network. Bow to the masters. Break it down. How you doing, everybody? And welcome to the Moffat on the Mic show, courtesy of the A1 Sports Network. I am Craig Moffat. And of course, this show would not be complete without the production stylings and the founder of the one and only A1 Sports Network. I am talking about, of course, Chris Clem. What's up, Craig? Clem. The streak continues to happen every time before a show or after a show. Some big news always breaks. Yep. Okay. Now, we were fucking really excited about today in general because we are scheduled to, of course, have our good friends and the only guys we love talking wrestling with on a regular basis. I am talking about, of course, Andrew and Joe Pisano from What's Wrong With Wrestling from the What's Wrong With Wrestling podcast are going to be joining us. This is WrestleMania week, ladies and gentlemen. There is, it is just endless amounts of wrestling for the next seven days, Clem. Oh, I can't wait. You have Raw tonight. You have the Hall of Fame tomorrow. You have NXT TakeOver Wednesday and Thursday. NXT UK is doing a show on Thursday. You have Friday SmackDown. You have Saturday and Sunday WrestleMania two nights, even though I hate the fact that it's two nights. But we could not be more fired up to have Andrew and Joe Pisano joining us soon from what's wrong with wrestling to go over everything wrong with WrestleMania as only they can do it because they are the Kings of doing it. And uh, we're pretty fired up to have them on any minute, but of course we were fired up to have that. And then about an hour or two ago, the news breaks. And this is the only non-sport. This is the only non-wrestling thing we're doing today. This is a wrestling show folks. So if you're not interested, we understand, we apologize. We'll be doing another show later in the week covering all the uh, sports stuff. But of course, we had to come on a little earlier to talk about the Jets once again making a trade that we never saw coming, Clem, in many ways. And I'm not talking from the player standpoint, I'm talking from the compensation standpoint. Because for weeks, we were concerned that Sam Donald's value was going down the toilet. Because once the Bears signed Dalton, once the Washington football team added Fitzpatrick, And it seemed like, and then there was a report earlier, I think it was last week, that the Denver Broncos weren't really interested in Darnold. We thought the trade possibilities for Darnold were slim to none. And then all of a sudden, out of left field, here we go, Joe Douglas makes the trade. So in return for Sam Darnold, the Jets get a sixth-round pick this year, and they get a second and a fourth-rounder next year. Now, I love the trade on many levels. I will start with the fact that, once again, the Jets get very good value for a quarterback or a player we didn't think had any value or little value. You see, when Jamal Adams went roughshod on the whole organization, when he went roughshod on the whole organization, we thought that Jamal Adams inadvertently might have killed his own trade value because now the Jets had no choice but to trade him, so teams weren't going to give out a lot for him. And in return... The Jets wound up getting two ones, a three, and Bradley McDougal, okay, which was a pretty awesome value for what they got for Jamal Adams. And in hindsight, many people think the Seahawks made a terrible deal, but that remains to be seen. So I won't, I'm not going to kill, I'm not here to kill Seattle. Darnold coming off was his worst year by far last season. 
And, you know, the Darnold defenders all came out and they give him a pass because of gays, because they hate gays. You and I are a little bit more realistic. And we know that Sam Darnold's problems were bigger than Adam Gase. Yes. They were bigger than the weapons he didn't have or supposedly didn't have. Okay. Because it's pretty fucking telling that Jet fans sit there and they post the touchdown to Braxton Berrios in a, in a game that was over by the second quarter. And they say, well, he doesn't have any weapons, but look at this throw to Braxton Berrios. And all of a sudden it's like, well, does he have weapons or not? And this is what they use as their argument to defend Sam Darnold. Mm -hmm. It was pretty safe to say that a, a mutual parting of the ways was best for Darnold and for the organization. Darnold gets a fresh start with Carolina and the Jets can now move forward with a timeline that just spells continuity. Right. Because now you have Salah, now you have LaFleur, and now you have the quarterback that they want to draft that they can develop for the next few years. That's continuity, folks. That's the shit that's burned the Jets in the past. Because if you remember, they couldn't hire a GM prospect because it was automatic they had to keep Rex. Right. Because Woody stuck his nose in the business and he demanded, not demanded, but he basically said, you have to keep Rex Ryan. We're going to keep Rex Ryan as a coach. Right. When a new GM wants to hire their own coach, they don't, want to, they don't want to keep their coach. Right. And that's what labeled us, that's what got us John Itzik. Okay? <laughs> so there's that. Now it's like my quarterback, my coach is happy, my coordinator's happy, and now they're going to get the guy that they want to work with from the beginning of their tenure to whenever it ends. And I am very happy with trade. Listen, Sam's been a great soldier. I won't dispute that. He really was a pro. Mm -hmm. And he took the high road on a lot of stuff that he could have really went, ran roughshod on the organization about. And I'm sure after he goes to Carolina and they start talking to him, you know he's going to get asked about Adam Gase. Oh, yeah. You know he's going to get asked. And listen, at this point, I don't give a shit if he, if he, he could throw Gase under the bus all I care. You know what the sad part is, Clem? And I thought about this the other day. Yo, Gase is still living rent-free in players' heads. Oh, yeah. Did you see the Robbie Anderson interview? I did not. Okay. Robbie Anderson was on Willie Colon's podcast. And he basically just, like, you know, said, you know, oh, I didn't want – he didn't really want to win – and I was so depressed because I didn't want to go to play. And, you know, it was really hard to get up for games because Gase didn't really want to win. This coming from a guy that went seven and nine in 2019 mm -hmm. and won six of his last eight games. And you're telling me that he didn't want to win. I mean, what are you fucking high? <laughs> I mean, seriously, like I, I, I really was like, I don't say I was like, see, this is the problem. They can't let it go. Like, I get it. You want to hate Gase. That's fine. You don't want to, you don't, you don't have to like Gase. That's fine. But the fact that you're saying all this stuff, like, oh, he didn't want to win. He didn't want to do that. So I was depressed. Like, what? You, the Jets in Gase's first year with the Jets, like you just mentioned, they went seven and nine, won six of the last eight games. Lots of promise after Gase's first season, actually, you know, with Robbie Anderson looked good. Sam Donald looked like he was, they were gelling. It all, it all looked promising. And yeah, obviously, in hindsight now, yeah, Gase is a, a fucking miserable coach, but you can't come out and say, oh, I was miserable. They didn't want to win. They didn't want to do this, all this stuff. It's like, but, then, but here's, what I, here's my question. Does that contradict 
his story to Michael Irvin when Michael Irvin said he really wanted to sign with the Jets. He really wanted to sign with the Jets. And not for nothing, Robbie, it wasn't like people were breaking down your door to sign you. You know, he didn't sign till late in the offseason last yeah. year. He didn't sign right off the bat because he wanted a lot of money and the Jets weren't going to pay him that kind of money. Yeah. And listen, yeah, he had a thousand yards. He had 95 receptions. Now I want you to do a game by game breakdown of his of his stats. Mm-hmm. They're not as good as you think, man. He had three total touchdowns the entire year. He had two touchdowns in the first two weeks and did not have another touchdown again until like week 15. He had three 100-yard games for the season. Now I want you to look at some of the other games he had where he was 7 for 36 and 5 for 40 and 2 for 21. There's a lot of inconsistency in Robbie's game. And that was a problem. I think that's due to the fact that they didn't have Christian McCaffrey for the whole season. No, and that was even a problem on the Jets. Like, you know, you saw so much good out of Robbie Anderson. You're like, okay, let's see if he can put it all together. Let's see if he can put it all together. And he never did. It was so inconsistent. It'd be like, yeah, he had a 110-yard game and two touchdowns. But then the next two weeks, it'd be like, oh, he had one catch in five yards. It's like, like what? Like, you saw. My thing is, look, now listen. Sam's going to a good spot. He's got McCaffrey. He's got DJ Moore. He's got Robbie Anderson. And you never know, man, they could be in a position where they could draft Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts might actually be a good pickup for them at that po- at that spot. Yeah. But here's the thing about Carolina, though. Their defense sucks, and their offensive line is terrible. And if you don't believe me, they gave a three-year contract to Pat Elfline, and they gave a one-year deal to Cam Irving, who's one of the worst offensive linemen in the league. So before we sit here and start praising Matt Rule and, you know, sucking his dick because he's, you know, supposedly this great coach – Never forget, he went 5-11 and 11 last year. 5-11. Mm. and 11. And they're in a division where he, Sam's got to play Tom Brady twice, and he's got to play Matt Ryan twice. And depending on what the Saints put out as a quarterback, it's not going to be as easy as he thinks it is. Mm. And my advice is to the Carolina Panthers is, you better go for it this year. Because I'm telling you right now, in 2022, I think Joe Brady's getting a head coaching job. Oh, yeah. And and thing is, again, there's the continuity factor, Clem. Okay, if Joe Brady gets a coaching job in 2022, who's going to coach Matt Sam Darnold? So now we're right back to that again. Exactly. He'll be he'll have another new coordinator because look, Joe Brady was already getting looked at for head coaching jobs this year, yeah. I, and you know, and if he can turn Sam Darnold around, he by oh, by all means he'll be. Oh, I thought Lindor hit a home run. Um, by all means, he'll be getting he'll be getting coaching jobs if he can turn Sam around. Don't drift while we're while we're doing a show. I, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know you love. I, I'm I, listen. Nothing pleases me more to have Mets baseball back, but we gotta like we gotta fucking. So, okay. So just to recap, these are the picks from the Jets for this year. Ready? You have number two and number twenty three in the first round. You have number thirty four in the second round. You have number 66 and 86 in the third round. You have number 107 in the fourth round. You have two fifth rounders, and now you have two sixth rounders. Okay? That's a lot of picks, man. Okay? Now, if we take a look at – hold on one second. If we take a look at the draft picks the Jets have in the second – in the uh, 2022 – Give me one second. 
2022, they have two ones, two twos, a three, two fours. I think they have one fifth, actually two fifths and three sixth round picks. That is a shitload of picks over the next two years. Man, oh man. Like, and this is what, this is what but this is what Douglas wants, bro. He wants to, he wants, he loves the draft. He wants to build it through the draft. And you mean to tell me with Douglas and Sala and LaFleur, you're telling me that they're not going to be in cahoots as to who they want? Exactly. Exactly. This is, this is what Joe Douglas sold Robert Sala on. This is absolutely what he wants. This is what he wants. And it ha- and this is what we need. Like, we need draft picks. We need to build through the draft. And this is going to be a perfect setup for the next couple of years. Like, I'm not expecting to do anything big next year. Sure, we'll draft Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, whoever it is, and let him build for a year. Whoever, like, this is, this is a perfect – I love the scenarios that we're in right now. Absolutely love it. Now, here's a crazy thing that this came out today, right, on Twitter. And it's, it's really, really freaky, but it's so true. So um, I think it was called NFL News or whatever tweeted this out. It said the Jets and Dolphins essentially did the same thing. Ready? Number one, they fired Gase. Number two, they hired defensive minded coaches who are loved by their players. Mm-hmm. Dolphins hired Flores. Jets hired Salah. Three, traded their quarterback for draft capital. Dolphins traded Tannehill. Jets traded Darnold. Traded a safety for first-round picks. Minka Minka Fitzpatrick from the Dolphins, Jamal Adams from the Jets. Draft a QB with their top five pick, Mm -hmm. which will eventually be Zach Wilson, and, of course, the Dolphins drafted Tua. Have double ones and double twos next year. That's wild. That is a great – dude, you have to be really on your A game to have a stat like that, bro. That's a fucking great – fucking stat like like that's a like that's one of those stats where it's like oh yeah like jacob Tagram can pitch like is is like 19 and 0 when like this the wind is blowing in at 30 exactly. miles like, like it's shit like that like i always love those kind of stats it's like what the fuck like where do I you was, with this bro clem i was a thousand percent impressed with that stat and i loved it because it was so true and the thing is now i'm more fired up than ever it's more fired up than ever for the draft. Like, I wish the draft was this Thursday. I'd be like, I'd be fucking so fired up to watch the draft. Like I, I, I wasn't expecting it. Like, and apparently, like the Panthers were the only t- team in on Darnold. Which and the thing is, there are people who think they gave up too much. I know they think that Darnold is a risk because, again, you know he, you know, he hasn't really been that great. They have to pick up the fifth year option on him now, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, he's he gets hurt. Like I like when we were talking about Sam Donald trades like last week, I think, I think I think said a best case scenario we get a fourth round pick. I said, and the fact that we got a sixth this year, a second, and a fourth next year, dude, that is impressive, man. That is a very good haul for for Donald. That is that's very very for a quarterback who doesn't have a lot of value. I think that's a great freaking haul. And who and who's to say that the 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 Panthers won't suck again this year? I mean, just because they have Sam Donald now doesn't and McCaffrey's back doesn't mean they won't win or won't maybe like win another game or two. Dude, I am. I, you know what's so funny, man? Everybody turns on Joe Douglas when he doesn't sign free agents, and then the second he makes a trade, everybody's right back on the Douglas bandwagon. Yep. Like everybody's back on the Douglas. Oh, Joe, Joe Douglas, great trade and everything like that. Now there's still a lot of people who really love Sam Donald and who think that he could thrive. 
And listen, you might be right, but this organization doesn't have the time to figure it out. Right. Because he had a fifth year option due for a certain amount of money. And if, and the thing is, what do you constitute success for Sam Darnold? For me, he's got to put up top 10 numbers. Yeah. Like I said last week, you asked me, what do I need? I need him to throw 3,500 yards, 30-plus touchdowns, and 11 or fewer interceptions. He ain't doing that in his first year. And the thing is, again, I don't think LaFleur and Sala want the task of trying to fix him either. Right. So they did the right thing and shipped him out to another team. Now, before the Pisanos come on, they should be on like any minute. I think they're here now. All right. Hold off just one second before I make this point. Okay. The fact is, is the Fields and Wilson debates are officially tiresome. I don't care. I'm fine with either one. I don't care which one you take. Don't take Mac Jones. Don't take Trey Lance. I don't want to hear because I heard it today and it bothered me. It was the fact that, well, you know, Justin Fields has played in better competition than Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson hasn't played, you know, the Coastal Carolina game where he didn't play well and everything. You're kind of, you're, you're implying that Justin Fields, yes, I get that Justin Fields played better competition than Zach Wilson, but it shouldn't matter the competition. And if you want, I'm going to put a squash in that argument by just bringing up two words, Josh Allen. And that's all you need to know to squash that bullshit argument. Yep. The truth is we don't know who's going to be the better of the two. We don't know if Field is going to be better or, Al- or uh, Wilson's going to be better. We don't know if Lance is going to be better than all three of them. I don't know. The thing is, do your due diligence and be confident in the selection. And if, you know, honestly, with this coaching staff, I have a, I am very confident that they will get it right. Okay, they here? Yeah. Okay, put them through. Joining us right now on the Moffat on the Mic show, what better way and who better to talk about WrestleMania with WrestleMania week on us than the guys who have plenty to say about what's wrong with wrestling. We're talking, of course, about Andrew Pisano and Joe Pisano. What's up, boys? What's going on? What's up? How's it going? Thanks for Good. having us on again. Hey, thank you for having us. You guys have always been a good friend to our show, and you know we always look forward to having you on to talk some wrestling. And uh, so this is not going to be a question thing. It's going to be more like uh, just opinions, maybe like uh, what you think they should do and what will most likely happen with WrestleMania on Sunday. All right, right. Let me just say this is my favorite shirt. It's uh, Mr. and Mrs. Met. <laughs> The uh, WWE titles. I bought it when WrestleMania was there a couple years ago when we were on your show. Yep. Uh, I wear it every day. No, uh, but it's a good it's a good shirt to wear when uh, obviously the Mets are having opening day take four uh, today <laughs> or right now. Yeah, that was a depressing uh, Thursday. Like all I wanted to do was watch the Mets baseball on Thursday, and then it was just right. like not the and then the outbreak starts in Washington of all places. <laughs> I know, of like, course, that was just the worst. Such a Mets thing, right, to happen, uh, <laughs> not being able to play Opening Day. The only the only two teams, uh, but yeah, you know WrestleMania. We're here. We have a lot of questions. We have more questions than answers. Uh, the excitement level is maybe the lowest it's ever been for me going into a WrestleMania. Even last year, when we were like, man, no fans was going to suck, but they had some interesting storylines. Yeah. It's all rematches this year. Yep. It's Very all much. matches we've already seen. A lot of rematches. They even, they even do like Riddle, Sheamus, and then they go, ah, WrestleMania. Well, we yeah, just saw it. That's not even a WrestleMania match. No, it's, it's not. Oh, my God. It kind of cracked up at Sheamus's new like gimmick because he looks like he belongs on Peaky Blinders. Right. Which would be a dream for him. That would be a great role. <laughs> Better than SmackDown or Raw, you know? So 
listen, when WrestleMania's card first started kind of trickling out with Reigns and everything, I was kind of excited about it. And then I just saw more of it got leaked out. And then I just got like kind of almost like not depressed, but just I knew it was going to be disappointing because you have to have the Shane McMahon match. Like Shane McMahon, every year at WrestleMania has to do the dive off the cage. or That's why they made it a steel cage match. Right. And, you know, then, of course, you know, they have the women's match. And I'm like, okay, it's only a matter of time before Charlotte Flair gets involved, and, you know, in some kind of. And then in Fastlane, it was like the same thing. It was like the Reigns, the Reigns match was great. And then all of a sudden I was like, uh, and then as soon as Edge hit Brian with the chair, I'm like, oh, here we go. Triple. Threat. Yeah. That's what we said on our show. We're like, oh man, triple, triple threat match, which I don't hate triple threat matches at WrestleMania. I really don't. It's but, every year though. It's just, it just but, seems like. But shouldn't this be Edge's year? Yeah. It is Edge's year to, to, to beat Daniel so that Roman doesn't get pinned. Come on. Yeah. We all know why this is happening. But we all know why this is happening. Daniel's the fall guy. But you don't see any possibility that Daniel Bryan wins on. I do uh, because small, Edge went heel. Maybe a small possibility, but I don't know. Do you guys think Edge is a full heel at this point, or is he like playing a baddish guy just to make it interesting? I think I honestly think he's pissed at Daniel Bryan, but I don't know if I want to label him a heel. He's full heel. I think he's a full heel. Watch the. I, I just I haven't finished SmackDown, but I started the opening promo this uh, past Friday of SmackDown. Edge. He's full. He's basically said, I'm a heel now. Like, that's basically what he said in his promo. So uh, I'll take it for the. But why the, by the way, he also dyed his beard. So I guess the rumors <laughs> were true that Vince thought he was too old because now his beard is, is uh, you know, there's no gray in there anymore. So, the funniest thing I read earlier this week was that a lot of the wrestlers backstage were really pissed that they broke up the hurt business. Yeah, just like fans. I mean, yeah. everyone's pissed, it's right? It's their only faction. They've only been around for and, like six months. And they're going to break it up. But Vince McMahon was trying to explain to them, like, yeah, it was the right thing to do. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. It really Why? wasn't. Are they all being fired? I don't understand. But like Lashley won the title. And then like a week later, Cedric and Shelton Benjamin lose the title. So now the faction just gets, the faction should have all the gold. And like they yeah. just all of a sudden drop the titles. They give it back to the New Day. Right. It was just... It was the timing was so bad, especially after Lashley literally just won the belt. And I don't get, I don't get AJ and Omos why they need those tag titles so bad. If if they even get them, if it just stays with the new day, new day, then I'm just really going to be like, why did you take it off the herd business? Like, you know. So I don't know. I don't get it. Is Chris's microphone working? I feel like he's trying to say something. <laughs> we don't hear him. I'm here. No, I was just <laughs> they're giving. Uh, AJ and uh, Homos, whatever his name is. Homos, yes. That's a riddle call. Yeah. So they can say, oh, AJ, he's a Grand Slam champion, which is like, means nothing anymore now, I feel. It doesn't mean anything. Everyone and does like, it. how is that a thing? Grand Slam champion used to mean you held, you've held all the titles. That's not what it means anymore. No. Because you'd have to hold so many fucking titles. Like, right. both tag team titles. You know, uh, both main titles. Both uh, mid-level, mid level Yeah, mid-card both mid-level. Belts. Yeah, and... and Universal end, so it, it doesn't nothing. mean that anymore. Everyone's done it. I've done, done it. it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure. But that was, that yeah. was like when after Miz won the belt from McIntyre when he cashed in Money in the Bank and he came out. Yeah. And he's like, I'm the only. What do you say? He was the only two time. Two time. Which that's that doesn't even make sense. And I just kind of sat there and I'm like, oh my god, this guy like cash in. He lost it a week later to Lashley. <laughs> yeah. Like I think that's a bad thing that he's a two time Grand Slam champion in a way because it's like wait. That means you fell all the way down to not just mid-card level, but tag team champion level. Yeah, you started over twice? 
Right. When you had you were at the top and then you started all over from the bottom. And now he's nothing. Nothing. Yeah, now he's just relegated to a match with now Jeff. he's going to lose to Bad Bunny <laughs> at WrestleMania. <laughs> the Miz for you. He main evented WrestleMania with John Cena, got help from the rock to beat him, and now he's gonna job to Bad Bunny. See, the funny thing about when Bad Bunny won the 24-7 title was when R Truth had it, they were chasing him around every arena, chasing him around supermarkets and everything. Bad Bunny got it. It was like, whoa, yeah, we're not going to mess with Bad Bunny. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's it's got a hot card. Yeah, and then Bad weird. Bunny eventually was like, you know what? This title sucks. Here, you can have it back. You can have it. Or a Stone Cold shirt. <laughs> for like yeah. Stone Cold memorabilia. Yeah, for Stone Cold toys. He gave him a Stone Cold lunchbox. And Bad Bunny, being a five-year-old, was like, oh, thanks. I couldn't afford this <laughs> on my own. Here you go. Here's this title that's worthless. And I don't mean like priceless. It's worthless. Yeah, like, no, like, not even Bad Bunny won the title. No. He's like, yeah, this thing's heavy, and uh, everyone's just laughing at me. You've made it into such a joke. Like, we've said a few times, like, let Braun win it, and then no one tries to fight Braun for a couple of weeks, yeah. and then they, it just goes away. And he just throws gone. it in the trash can. He just throws I'm it away. finished with you! Yeah, he's gone. Like, even there was, like, a week where... Oh, go ahead, Quinn, I'm sorry. I was going to say, even when the hardcore title was a thing, like, incredible people won it. Like, yeah, yeah. Our truth, uh, and Drew Gulak and fucking Titus O'Neil. That's it. Like, and every time it changes hands, it's it's a roll up. That's like ninety five percent of the times. It's just a fucking roll up. That's all. <laughs> Tell me your five percent that wasn't roll ups. Like ninety nine point nine percent. Yeah, non roll ups. There's right. been times well, where because no, you just hand it to the guy. That's, oh, right. you know, that's one. That's one. like bad money. There's been times where the guy's dead in the middle of the ring and like Lashley will just walk past them and it's just like, wow, that belt's not even good enough to just put your hand over the guy and say, I have a title. Right. Like no. it's not even worth that. No. And the thing is also the, the 24-7 title has had Kelly Kelly, Doug Flutie. Sure. And Peter Rosenberg as champions. I mean, Doug Flutie was a champion. He won it on a pregame show. Yeah. And I think one guy won it on like Fox College football or some shit. Didn't didn't someone win it like technically on a Snickers commercial with our truth? And then he won it back. I'm not even joking. This happened like a month ago. Like it was some commercial where like some spokesman, I think it was Snickers, he beat our truth for it, but then our truth won it back. So is that canon? Like, is that in the record books? I mean, yeah. Whoever has the belt goes in the books, man. That's why I said when Doug Flutie won it, I'm like, okay, this is this is yeah. Awesome. I've officially had enough. Look, <laughs> honestly, it's been vacant since Medusa sold it to Ted DiBiase because we know yeah. you can't do that. We're still <laughs> waiting for Jack Tunney to make a ruling right on that. You know, right, it's been vacant. It's all just been a dream. That would be hilarious if Archie <laughs> just woke up and they're like, "Where's the 24/7 title?" They're like, "We've never heard of that." Yeah, that'd be a great ending to the 24/7 title. Yeah, we've been watching his dreams. That's insane for right. a pro wrestling thing sure. to do. Yeah. Um, by the way, Joe, I couldn't agree with you more. Logan Paul is a total douche. He's a douchebag. <laughs> like, how was he? I walked into lunch today with a friend. It was like a wing cafe thing, and there's a giant poster of him fighting this other guy. I'm like, why does he get FaceTime on this person's window? Yeah. At this wing cafe. Like, come on now. I hate it. was going to be the special enforcer for Owens against Sami Zayn. Oh. Like, and then KO him. will win and then Logan Paul will celebrate with KO instead of like no, what should happen. To, no. He should get a stunner. He will get a stunner. Logan Paul might do it. You know, he's a young kid. Yeah. He'll take a stunner, I'm sure. If he's a if he's a wrestling fan, he'd love to take a stunner. We'd love to take stunners from KO or for sure. Stone Cold back in the day. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Why not? I was gonna like, you know, we got the Hall of Fame 
what did, did the whole thing happen already did i see that correct they, they it was tomorrow it's yeah they taped it and they're airing it tomorrow because right, I, I was gonna save this question for the podcast but since you guys are here now how long before snooki gets into the hall of fame she's not in <laughs> are you sure about that how is she not every sure every snooki's celebrity every celebrity yeah. that's ever <laughs> hello every celebrity that's ever uh you know, been in a match at WrestleMania, I believe has. Oh, sorry, something just fell. I believe has entered the Hall of Fame, right? Well, I mean, now we have William Shatner in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, because he was on like one episode of Raw. Did like... he go to the Hall of Fame? Like, was or is it all Zoom? Was it a Zoom? Ozzy Osbourne apparently also was yeah, voted in on the la- at the last minute. He was voted in. He was, and he had like a video acceptance speech. Yeah. Listen, it doesn't get this. This class just is between Shatner and the great Kali. I think I've. Uh, I'm not watching. Yeah, but you've got RVD and who's the other big name? Oh, oh Kane. Man, Kane. That's fine. I, I have no problem with Kane and Mr. Monday Night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, as soon as it got to the great Kali, I was like, and the train just went right off the track. And also, like the NWO from last year, right, is going in. Yeah. Because I think Trey didn't have the ceremony last year. So I'm not sure. I don't remember who was the, uh, who were the inductees last year. Right. Yeah. The Bella twins. Yeah. They're also, you know, I famously never watched Hall of Fame. It's uh, never any good. It's never any good. And I'm told what they say later. Even I think maybe I watched Sean's, maybe. And um, I watched DDP's came up on like a, you know, like a social media feed. And I, I think on Facebook and I clicked on it. I watched the whole thing while I was working today. Yeah. And uh, it was really good. His was great. Yeah, no, his was great. He's a great motivational speaker. He gave so much credit to so many people. And yeah. Know, yeah. Um, he actually was funny a couple of years ago. I thought they were, I thought they were funny. And then Bret Hart's obviously a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Bret Hart's was very memorable because he got tackled yeah. by that guy. And then uh, Dash Wilder at the time punched him in the fucking face. That was hilarious. Like, I don't love Bret Hart, but I don't hate him that much to tackle him at his <laughs> Hall of Fame speech. Jesus. I don't know. Damn Hart family. Like, they've yeah. been through a lot. Leave him alone. For sure. So I have a question about NXT. And my question is, is do you think that the NXT wrestlers are secretly hoping they don't get called up to the main roster because of all the numerous guys that have crashed. Yeah, I would say it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, you know, whenever your contract comes up for renewal, you'll get more money, uh, potentially probably a lot more money depending on who you are. So I don't know. I would still say yes, because don't you want a lot more money? what you're getting in NXT. Champa basically said, I'm never leaving NXT. And then yeah. they were like, oh, we'll show you. <laughs> we'll show you, Mr. Yeah. Never Leave NXT. You're going to hate it so much. You're going to wish you joined the main maybe. roster. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, maybe right now he certainly could because they're not doing they're not doing road. He, he said the main reason he wouldn't join the main roster is because of the road schedule. And he knows he only has so many bumps left. Yeah. So. I don't know. Like a guy like Johnny Gargano, you can't like. I feel like he, if he goes to the main roster, he'll be end up like Sami Zayn. You know, like right. That's like, a good comparison. That's a really good comparison. And I would say Sami Zayn is probably in the top five, outside of the Shield, top five successful call ups. Yeah, like, like he's had a decent person. career. He's been involved in a lot of storylines. Yeah. I mean, just all of a sudden, you had Alistair Black, who just literally fell off a cliff, and you haven't seen him since. And Ricochet is basically Mr. Main Event. That's what yeah. we see him now, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Main Event, main event. Yeah, right. the, <laughs> the show, main, main event, event show. No one watches on the quotation marks, of course. That's funny. But, yeah. And then on top of that, you 
you know, you just the next crop, like Clem said, Johnny Gargano. But I mean, do you really see a big push for him wherever he winds up? And hell no, the main the main roster for Gar- just, he'll be the next Chad Gable on the on. You know, he'll be Chad, the Chad Gable of Raw. They're almost too small, these guys. They'll name him Shorty J. Yeah. I'm Shorty J. And I'm Shorty G. Let's be a tag team. Ultimate jobbers. The shorties. I think Alpha Jobber Jobber Academy, they'll call it. Yeah. Cole probably loses and goes to the main roster. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I think it's really a way to get O'Reilly over. I think Adam Cole was probably like, all right, I've been here a few years. It's enough. You know, I'm a main event guy. Put me on the main roster. I'm leaving. And then Vince is like, I'll put you on the main roster, all right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll put you there. Yeah. Yeah. How would you like to be? Yeah. He'll debut as like a jobber that jobs to Braun Strowman and have a new name. Oh, this is Adam Fole. How are you? Who are you? And he's just like, I'm just trying to make it in WWE. I'm a big wrestling fan. Oh God. Yeah. You think? Just, you think Cole gets like fast tracked to the main event when he gets called no. up? Yeah. No, Too he's small. like five six. No Too way. Small and skinny. Not with Vince still running the show. Nope. You know. But yeah. actually, to touch on Clem's point, Karrion Cross has been rumored to be fast tracked to the main roster. Do you see him winning a takeover? I oh, yeah. definitely do. One hundred percent. Yeah. Bet I the mean, farm on it. Oh yeah, uh, for he sure. He shouldn't have lost his title to begin with. It was an injury. Yeah. They were going to ride him, I think, for a you while. You could fast track him and he could hold the belt for the rest of the year and then sure. debut at the Rumble. Absolutely. That, that's still Why not, not? You know, a long way. Percent. Yeah. yeah. I wanted Champa to finally do his comeback. Right. You know, and be the one that beats him, even if it does take till the end of the year. Let Champa shave his head get his badass kind of, you know, mojo back. And then he's the one that takes the title from Cross when Cross goes to the main roster. But I don't know about that anymore. That's just my wishful thinking. That is not my prediction, the way they're (laughs) dealing with Champa right now. If that's not a prediction, that's uh, me being hopeful. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. He looks too homeless and old right now. Like, yeah, it's awful. Champa's beard is definitely, uh, you know, it's yeah, it's definitely getting, it's pretty bad. He doesn't look badass anymore. He looks. It's like it's like angels in the outfield, like when the kids like you used to be Mel Clark. It's like you used to be Tommaso Champa, or you used to be the psycho killer. Yeah, used to be. Used to be. <laughs> God, we used to tell such great stories on NXT. What happened? I know. That's what it, ratings happened. What happened? Yeah. They, once they went on TV, everything. Dying. I think Vince has a more like somewhat of a hand in it now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like although now it, the rumor is that JBL is going to be heading up NXT when they move to Tuesday. Why? That's been all over. What do, you, what do you mean heading up? Like as an announcer or? Oh, it's like a head booker, like kind of <gasps> taking over for Triple over H. Triple H? <laughs> that was all over Twitter. Really? Like, oh, no. <laughs> that can't be true. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, for our sake, I hope it's not. I mean, who knows? He might be a good well, he booker, was, but he I'm was their saying. first GM, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, oh, he was because he's the like, one that honestly. stripped the title from Paige after she won the Divas Championship. Yeah, I actually, yeah. crack up when they show Regal's office on NXT because you could barely fit two guys in there. Yeah, it's it's, like, it's, it's not like a it's, the, the it's, it's a corner end of a room <laughs> that they put curtains up. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's what it always is. You know, it's yeah. Sometimes yeah. he has a real office. Sometimes he doesn't. Lately, he hasn't had one. I love his brass knucks though. That just sit there on the top yeah. of his desk. Right. Which that's that's my that's my again. This is just me being hopeful. Like because Cole punched him. Like once Cole 
loses to O'Reilly like Adam Cole's like, I'm never leading. I'm never going to leave. And then Regal just comes out, brass knuckles him. <laughs> right. You know, he's like, sure. you've you've been a pain in my fucking ass for three years. Right. Get the hell out. Yeah. That would be gold if he did that. Oh. Yeah. You can even fire him because, okay. Yeah. Now we know he's like, sure. Raw might get a little spike in ratings, like him getting fired in next Right. Day. Yeah. That'd be a way to not announce it, but yet tell us it's happening. Right. See, we think of these great things. Why can't the bookers think of this? It's too easy. No. I mean, it's too easy. Oh. Gonna overthink it. Yeah, you guys figure it out very quickly. You guys should be the head writers of Raw. I'll tell you, it would be so much better. I don't disagree. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Do it, you cowards. Right. This is still on the topic of NXT. Where the hell has Velveteen Dream been? Well, no. Oh, wow. He's been in, uh, he's been in our children's DMs. That's where he's been. Like it's just like I feel like they like they let so much other shit slide, like Lars Sullivan with though with his allegations and the gay porn, and then the stuff with Riddle and all this other stuff. They let all that slide, but Velveteen was like, you know what? Take a slow it back on him a little bit. I think because his were like real. I think it's because yeah, I think it's because they have DMs. There's even audio that's like creepy. Like yeah. so, I don't know. But why Maybe keep him? Right? Why not release him then? If yeah. it's real, release him. If it's not, use him because he's great. Cool. Yeah. Right. Not like two weeks or so. And it was like, okay, we see, we'll never see him again. Like, yeah, he came back for like three, four weeks, was on a pay per view, and then disappeared again. He was, wasn't he in that, like, wasn't he in like some kind of backyard brawl match, like on a studio lot, his last match against Cole? Was it? Cole, that wasn't his last match. That was his last big match, certainly. Right. But he also jobbed to Kushida on a, that was a takeover match. Uh, yeah. Right. But that was like the last we've seen of him. That's, so. that's been a long time, though. I mean, and every time Triple H always does those press conferences before Takeover, and every time they ask about Velveteen Dream, they're like, "What's?" And he's like, "He's like, what do you mean? He's still on the roster. He's training." It's like, well, okay, his training's over. Like he was obviously great. So if he's not on TV, there's a reason, Triple H, and we know the reason. You know, like just fire him or don't fire. Like I don't, I, you know, like I don't. Like, is AW gonna gonna take him? Like, I don't right. know. Well, that's if WWE fired him, why would W? Why would AW take him if the right. allegations are legit? Right. They don't want to touch that with a ten foot pole. No. No way. No. So I just don't get it. I don't understand why. Like, yeah. Why? Why keep him around? Maybe they just don't know what to do. The lawyers are like, don't do anything. Yeah. That's the safest bet, just to not do anything. I mean, I guess they'd rather have these guys stay under their contracts and be and just make them completely miserable. But at the same time, I guess if they're still on the contract, they're getting paid. Yeah, like, yeah, what, what is you're dreams? allowed to quit. You're not allowed to quit. I, maybe, like, Impact would take Velveteen Dream, you know? <laughs> but then again, you'd have to give him a new name, and maybe he'll probably just go by his real name. I don't know. Right. Who knows what would happen. Yeah. Although, no, maybe not Impact, because Impact's working with AEW right now. So I don't know where he could go if he got fired. Probably, he'd probably be done. TNA. <laughs> not TNA. What's the other one? Uh, NWA or... NWA, maybe. I don't know. They're also working with AEW, so... They are? Well, yeah, they got Thunder Rosa on there. Yeah. All um, right, so let's talk about... Let's do the Mania card. So, obviously, you guys think Edge is, Edge is going to win the belt at Mania. But Brian, I would say, yeah, I mean, I would say that's my... Yeah, is there most anything, likely. Do you guys think this head-of-the-table gimmick has run its course? Yes. Because I don't know. I don't know when it was good. <laughs> I never really liked it. 
Honestly, like when, when Roman Reigns first came back and at SummerSlam and it was a big surprise and, it, and he was a heel, like that was cool. I was like, oh my God, he's finally healed. And look, he's kicking ass. He's beating the, he's beating the hell out of both of these guys. And since then he really hasn't done that. Like he lets Jay do everything and he just comes out and he's like, whatever, I'm the best, bye. Like his promos are still boring. And you've got Heyman there. Like, let Heyman talk for you. Why does Heyman not talk? Why is Heyman a part of this when he never talks? And I'm tired of this Jey Uso being a bitch thing, too. That's um, that's run its course for sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess the big thing now is Heyman just talks only on Talking Smack, where he just, like, goes off. And that's the only time you ever hear him talk. Yeah. Does anything ever again. I didn't use this gimmick at all. But, like, the more it got onto it, I even think you guys said it on one of of your episodes. It was just, like, you know, you can do the head of the table, but what, who's at the table? It's just like, right. people at the table. You have to have more, right? Where's the stable? Yeah, yeah. There. It's just Ayoso. I mean, maybe if they had like Jimmy, if Jimmy came back or, you know, Tamina, because they're in the same family. Oh, no, 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 please. No, Tamina. No, no I, but if I she's part of a stable, then she has a purpose, though. That's, yeah. what you, that's what a stable is. Like, look at the Hurt business. Those guys all sucked. And when you put them together, you were like, okay, now they're kind of cool. Now they're relevant. And if where is Jimmy? Hard to make. It's like they tried too hard to make Tamina a thing, just like they tried to make Lacey Evans a thing. Right. And it just all fell to me. Like, I know Lacey Evans got pregnant. That's the main reason. They're also turning her more than Big Show. That was the other problem with Lacey Evans. (laughs) It was like one week she was a face and she went back to a heel. It was the same thing with Big Show. It was like, that's the big Support our troops. What? (laughs) What? You hate troops. You said that last week. But, but where's Jimmy? If Jimmy's healthy enough to like be on a pay per view yeah. and kind of get his ass kicked, why can't he just walk out with them and walk back and trip yeah. a guy or do something like create a freaking faction? Something. I mean, I think they've booked Jay Uso as a total stooge throughout this whole thing because he just yeah. comes in and just gets his ass kicked the whole time, or he misses with a chair shot, then he gets beaten up by Edge at what it was. Yeah, you're not. They're certainly not elevating Jay. They were at first because he got a couple title shots, but right. Since then, it's like, oh, there, yeah, you're this, you're this. No, he's just a little bitch. Like, you couldn't beat me. I'm a bitch now. Right. <laughs> Even though, like, he really did beat him, but he cheated. Right. So. Okay. So the next match I want to talk about is Biggie against Apollo Crews. Apparently, Apollo Crews in one week went from a heel to all of a sudden now he re- he he developed a really strong African accent or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's nothing, you know, it's like, in a way, it's like you're not even trying to hide the racism anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I right. mean, is it is like how do you see that match panning out? Do you think? Hold up. Yeah, sorry. Um, what what match is it now? It's a Nigerian what match? Because he said that on SmackDown. Not a, oh, tell, tell me it's like oh yeah, it's like a Nigerian prison match or some shit like. That. <laughs> Not like it wasn't prison a Nigerian drums match was it? I mean, listen, if we've watched in prison shows, they all look the same. They're just in a different. It's some place. sort of special match. I know that. I mean, you can't so. be said as Punjabi prison, right? <laughs> not but again, why not build this up build up his character right i'm going back to my roots i'm going back to my lineage and i'm gonna have an accent right like that's that's like me having a character that all of a sudden i start talking like this real new york because this is where i'm from i'm from brooklyn my father's from brooklyn andrew my brothers are all from brooklyn hey, i'm a brooklyn guy born and bred and f- you you know what i mean like, <laughs> like that would be okay that makes sense he's going back to his lineage but why have this match like six times then have the WrestleMania wrap up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's got to win the title, right? And then the fast lane match was terrible. I mean, it was absolutely oh, a Nigerian drum fight. Drum. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And then you look at the guy, uh, like, yeah, dance I off. I don't know. Like, 
like something out of Drumline. I would say it's like Drumline, and then Nick Cannon will come out and be like, <laughs> and then he'll be in the Hall of Fame next year. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. There you go. Correct. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. So the, I mean, go ahead, Clint. I'm sorry. I have to figure that Apollo wins the title, right? I mean, why not? Got to. What's the point of this? Yeah. I mean, it'd be pretty. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he didn't, but what's the point if he doesn't? I so, guess. And then Biggie wins it back the next pay per view. Or the next night on SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> the next, yeah. <laughs> right. Like four days later on SmackDown, just, let's just completely take away the importance of the belts. Yeah. Um, obviously, it looks like they're building it up to Rhea Ripley beating Asuka. At, I mean, the way they kind of brought her in. I, they, I don't know. I agree maybe. with you guys 100% with the way they, they did not do a good job at all bringing her in. Like, no. You said, Andrew, that they should have did like a battle royal. And had her as like the mystery opponent, like a, like the mystery entrant or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Even have her they, earn it. He even said like, "Well, we know it would be her, but that's okay. We know things sometimes." Well, it's like, and we're ready like, for it. We're like, "Come on, we know it's her. Come <laughs> yeah. out, do it, do it. We're right. waiting for it." And yeah. Then when it happens, or like, tell yes. every, tell everyone Charlotte's the you know is going to be coming out, and then we're all waiting for Charlotte's music to hit, but it doesn't. Her music hits, so then yes. you know. Yeah. It's even somewhat of a surprise for the Thunderdome fans to pretend to be excited for. Right. Yeah, but a lot of women debut and win the title. Like, this is a thing. Yeah. This happens. It does. So I'm, she probably does beat her, I guess. Right. At least when Paige did it, Paige was a champion. Right. And, like, AJ stupidly challenged her to a title match. So Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, this read like, I love Rhea. I love that she's going to win the title. But it didn't make any sense. Oh, hey, you've been on Raw for five seconds? Title match. I mean... Makes sense, right? All you gotta do is ask. Don't win the rumble. Why waste your time winning a Royal Rumble, which takes sixty minutes? Just ask. Just randomly ask, and you get it. That's it. You just gotta challenge yep. someone. Hit your music. Have your music ready. Pay the sound guy. You know, Peyton Royce. Bucks. You messed up, Peyton Royce. You asked on Raw Talk. That doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't you, gotta, count. you gotta wait. You know, That's true. she, got, she yeah. got her one match, and you'll never see her again. Probably. Never. She'll, no. be on, she'll be on main event. Right. Yeah. Like she might as well be dead. dead. That's the main event. Yeah. <laughs> you know, her contract res- expires the day after Sunday. Do we see Rhonda at all? You think? Oh, yeah, that's right. Is that true? The day deal. after Sunday Dude, that's, expires? They originally said it was a three year deal. Well, Clem stalks Rhonda. So I think, uh, I mean, if anybody would know, he would know. So, <laughs> yeah. You would have to imagine she doesn't come out. I have no I idea. I would say no. No, I, I think you would have heard something by now. I mean, the WWE yeah. is terrible at keeping secrets. Like, they just they did not do Unless it's something you really, they really, really don't want you to know about. Right. I just don't think that they really do a great job. I would be very surprised you saw Ronda at Mania. Like, it, would be, yeah, it would be a great surprise, but I just don't see For sure. Like- right. And I don't, I don't see the, the point of it because you're crowning Rhea as the new champ. So what would she be returning to? to do to to and then what would she do beat Rhea in the first title defense yeah. or over on smackdown same thing like belair is going to win that most likely so i don't know i'm so paying for yeah, when, edge, when edge was going to be in the rumble and we we're like oh this could be the great time to pull a surprise with edge and then he just tells you a week before the rumble that he's going to be in the rumble and i'm like oh they just totally killed it yeah it could have been something very similar to like the year before when he came out at number 21 and nobody had any idea that he was there Yep. And I know we've been kind of repeating it, but you know that. that Who cares? WWE has repeated. WWE literally used the same storyline with the opponents being tag teams going for the champions on Raw and SmackDown last week. Yeah. Tonight on Raw, I think with Asuka and Rhea Ripley being a tag team. Yeah. Now 
let's play what are the odds, okay? Right, chime in. What are the odds that Charlotte makes her way into the Oscar-Rhea Ripley match before WrestleMania? <laughs> She's got two and a half hours left. 90%. Uh, yeah, 90%. 90. I, that's low, but I'll accept it. I'll accept it. Yeah. No, that's... And if she's in it, it's 100% that she wins. 100. Oh, Last year, she won the NXT title from Rhea Ripley. The year before that, she was at Mania in the Triple Threat main event. I was like, oh. You could make it good if you let Ripley beat her. Right. At Mania. Surprise her entry and then boom. But probably not. They probably still have her beat Asuka so that Ripley and Charlotte could, you know, have three more pay-per-view matches. Who who do you think gets the 17 titles first, Cena, Orton, or Charlotte? I think Charlotte. Yeah, I don't think Cena's worried about wrestling. Cena's probably not getting another title shot ever. He'd have to do it now. Like this would be a good time. Yeah, take it off Roman. Take it off Lashley. That'd be great. Orton's at 14. Yeah, I mean, I just think at this stage, I think Orton is just more like getting guys over, like in big feuds, more than he is like a focal point of the. Yeah, I mean, isn't he getting murdered on on Sunday or <laughs> probably? Is he getting murdered by Bray Wyatt? Yes. Like after that, we probably won't. Orton's probably taking a break. I, I can't imagine we'll see Orton for a while. Maybe like till before SummerSlam. I think Orton has a better chance of getting the eighteen championships than Cena has getting one more. Seventeen? Oh, eight or whatever okay. to break it, right? Isn't seventeen? Yeah, I would, yeah. I don't think Cena. I don't see Cena ever getting a title shot again. I mean, yeah. you know, he's hosting Wipeout now. He's fine. Yes. Right, right. He's doing. I mean, The Rock right. came back on the title. He's in the Suicide H- Squad. <laughs> with the most ridiculous help. He's a movie star. You know, he's a legit movie star. He is now. legit now, right? So. But- after Fastlane, when Alexa Bliss straddled Randy Orton like to pin him, yep. and, and his wife came out the next day, I was so convinced it was going to turn into like some kind of mixed tag team match with like the Fiend and Alexa <laughs> against Orton and his wife. I was like, oh, oh dear right. God! It, right. like it was such a Vince thing to do. I, I don't know why. I just sure. kind of like as soon as that tweet came out, I go, "Don't fucking tell me they're going to do this." So like, please don't tell me they're going to do this. I go that. Yeah. Just- if you hadn't destroyed the fiend before, you would have just totally killed him now in a weird mixed tag match with Orton and his wife. Yeah, that would have been awful. Good God. Even WWE wouldn't stoop. Nah, I better shut up. Yeah. <laughs> but while you're ahead, man, because you never yeah. know. You never know. <laughs> the fiend character was so good at first, and now they just completely destroyed it. You could thank Goldberg for that. I mean, it really only lasted like a month because it got ruined after Rollins hit him in the head with a sledgehammer. <laughs> and then he came back to life. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. That was bad. It's just like, I get it. You want to make this incredible wrestler. Fine. It was cool. And you do shit like that. It's like, why do you ruin everything that's good? Like, right. Like, he's the great, like, Vince McMahon's the Grim Reaper at this point. It's like, oh, you guys like something good? Great. Boop. Done. Like, the hurt business. Yeah. Like, why couldn't he just beat Seth? take the title and be this evil guy for like a year mm. and just beat everyone. No one can beat him. Who's going to beat him? Who's going to be the guy? And then that's when you push Drew. Goldberg. Or you, oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You have to have like a young up and comer that, you know, is the one to take the title off the monster. Like this is what you used to do. Wrestling became huge by doing the same formula over and over again. You either take best friends and break them up. Or you take a monster, build him in an unbeatable monster, and have this little hero rise up to beat him. Those are like the two ways to do things. They were doing it all the time, my whole childhood. Every feud was one of those, and it was great. And then they just stopped doing it. And now they try to just, he's good now. Why? Because. 
He yep. decided to be good now. And he, he could he can kick out of 11 curb stomps, but he couldn't kick out a one tackle from a 55-year-old man. <laughs> right. So, so That's what I'm saying. Like, as soon as that match happened, that just the fiend, the, mis, the mis, mystique of the fiend was gone after he right. lost a goal. So you could burn him alive, but he can't kick out of a spear? Yeah. It just you know? come back from the dead like 18 million ways, but he couldn't kick out of a, of a weird jackhammer and a spear. Yeah. I have no – I mean, that match is going to be horrible. Might be the worst match of all WrestleMania. I, I I mean, just all the Fiend matches are terrible. But it just seems like the Orton Fiend feud has been going on for like two years. Like they took a break for a few months and then all of a sudden they came back. And well, they had yeah. that awful match a few years ago yeah. with Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Well, the they, one they, they had the the... overview, like the camera was overseeing the ring and it was like all the spiders. And like, yeah. that no horrible. Fun. And Randy Orton's afraid of, of a, PG, a, a PDF a, or a PNG of spiders on the... God, it's so bad. Right. That he probably can't even oh. see. Oh, that he probably can't even no. see. <laughs> He's looking at like the green screen ring. He's like, yeah. uh. So, <laughs> so basically, the the SmackDown before Mania is that the pre-show? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like it is right because you know they, they talked about um, well the Andre the Giant Battle Royals on Friday, which I think King Corbin will win because I none of the other guys. I, I can't see any of the other Two guys time. outside of maybe Nakamura. No, I think when right. they showed the participants. We made a joke that the winner has, is not on that yeah, list. The winner's not on this list. We still need more people. Like Adam Cole, maybe someone like that. Yeah. The debut or you know certainly. What I mean? Yeah. I mean, but, but that's the thing is like, would you even want Adam Cole to win that? Like that's never been a good thing to win that. The battle no. Royal, <laughs> the Andre, the giant Memorial <laughs> battle Royal. It's never been a good thing. That's not a prestigious award. We don't exactly. Tomorrow, big show. Yeah. Corbin. Uh, Matt Hardy won it. Right. Cause Bray came back to help him. Yeah. And, but I mean, as soon as I saw, like I said, Ricochet, I was like, Mr. Mr. Main Event? I was like, yeah, no. I was like, right. yeah. I mean, then it was, I think, uh, Akira Tozawa, uh, Drew Gulak. Yeah. I mean, I was like, none of these guys. I mean, come on. Talker. All the 24-7 jobbers are in it. The who's that of WWE? Yeah. The who are you? Yeah. Tucker is in it. I haven't seen Tucker since <laughs> since Otis turned on him. He's been, he turned on him. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now Otis is bad, and Tucker's right. nowhere to be yeah. seen. Might as well get back together. Yeah, you know, no need. You know, again, breaking up heavy machinery—big mistake. Just, I mean, yeah. But it's just—it just seems like, and I think Vince just loves King Corbin. Like I just think he loves the guy. He puts him in a lot of. He had him he must. in Lashley's uh, hitman last week for McIntyre. Yeah. I mean, it's—it's it's almost been two years that he's been the king. Yeah, it's a so nice. I guess he's just staying the king. That's gonna be Adam. That's gonna be Adam Cole's first feud when he gets onto Raw. For sure, he's like Jerry Lawler. He's just gonna be a king the rest of his career. <laughs> Hold on, then Corbin he'll... or Ziggler? Who's his first feud? Adam Cole. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ziggler's the NXT welcoming committee. He is of SmackDown or Raw. He's, like, yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. See, oh. like it would make it makes sense if Cole loses, which I think will happen at Takeover. Yeah. McIntyre wins the belt at Mania, which looks more likely to happen than not. Sure. Sure. Do you think it's possible that Monday Night Raw, Adam Cole makes his debut to feud with McIntyre? You know, didn't that, he already do that? That's before. <laughs> didn't he show up to ruin McIntyre's uh, big title win? Yeah, but then he never fought him. So that yeah. would actually be a good callback because it's like, yeah, he super kicked him after he won the belt, but yeah. then he never feuded with McIntyre. It would be, it would be a very cool callback to do something like that. But I just don't see Vince 
pushing a, a little yeah. guy. I said that Vince will debut the Undisputed Era like they're all together, like fuck the storylines of uh, NXT, and we're just gonna. Kyle O'Reilly and, and, and they're just gonna show up. And yeah. over, and they're gonna show up. It's the Undisputed Era. Oh my god! You know what I mean? And it's just right. like, wait, they just broke up. Like, yeah. nope, not on this show. <laughs> That's not canon. Not nope. on this show. Nope. Oh my gosh! Because I, I can't picture Cole in a feud with Lashley. Cause I don't even know what Lashley is, a heel or a face. It looked like when they had him beat the Miz and it was like, yeah, 17 years in the making. Yeah. yeah, That was, a, that was a baby face win for sure. But then they, they put him back as a heel the next, the following week. Like beating up his own guys. And Adam Cole has to be a heel. So yeah, but, but I, I, I don't, I don't see them. It just cracked me up when Lashley went into the locker room. He's like, you know, if any of you guys, take out Drew McIntyre. And I'm looking at the locker room like, holy shit, these guys don't have a chance. Against these guys them. can't even win the 24-7 title. <laughs> yeah, They can't even roll up our truth. They can't even beat each other. They're not going to beat each other. I said to myself, like, is Lashley really fucking asking Akira Tozawa to take out McIntyre? Like, yeah. Yeah. It was really sad when that happened because you saw all the droppers. It's like, oh, cool. And then it's like, oh, ricochets in that. Yeah. Poor Ricochet. So you guys said it best on your podcast when you said, oh, Ricochet challenges McIntyre because he's got two minutes to kill. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got all the minutes to kill. He has so much time. I'll do kill. it. I have dinner in 30 minutes. Let's go. Yeah. It's a 22-minute drive. I have some time before main event. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, now, one of the you know big stories that came out over the weekend is Chris Jericho is going to be on the Broken Skulls uh, show. So do you think everything is going to be on the table during that show? You think they're going to be like, oh, can't really talk about AEW. Like, I think, no, he, how does he not talk about AEW? That's why you have one. I think he's never had a bad relationship with Vince. I think he's one of these guys that's, he's old. So it's not like Vince lost his best superstar to AEW. Like Jericho got a piece of the pie. Who wouldn't take that deal? So he's going to be like, I was offered, I basically said it before. Like this was a deal I couldn't refuse. So of course I took it and now, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm, I'm having fun and, and we're trying to compete and we're doing good. I think they're just going to be like, great. You know what I mean? Like in Stone Cold, just kind of give them let up, lay up questions. The other thing is, even if Jericho was to say anything, it's not live, right? Yeah. So they can edit out Chris Jericho. Right. If he says anything that they don't like. But I mean, when Jericho left, they took him off all their shit. Yeah, you know all their openings, like they replaced Jericho with I think Stephanie McMahon or something. But like, like on the opening for WWE Network. Or, yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean they obviously have to talk about AEW. Um. But yeah, like Joe said, he has a good relationship with Vince, and I don't know. Maybe it maybe it means they could do something down the road. That would be that would be the because I know the hope, I, right. That'd be cool. You know, Cody came out like a couple of weeks ago and even said was like, hey. Doors open, like we will do. We'll do stuff with with WWE if they want to. Like, yeah, right. Like I'm all for it. Like I love what they're doing with like you know Impact right now. What AEW is doing with like Impact, like cross branding and like a little bit with New Japan, a little bit. So yeah. it'll be very interesting if they could, you know. I know. Like that, and right? AEW's, I mean, every time a WWE guy gets released, it's only a, like people count the seconds so they head over to AEW. Yeah, that non compete gets out, and no one has anything to lose right now, not even WWE because the ratings are so bad. Like, they yeah, have nothing yeah. to lose. Like, even if they had like Chris Jericho just do a match and that was it, you know, like because it's really not the Vince way to let anyone. I mean, because like you know, Vince's way was buying everyone and taking everything, yeah. So, I don't know. 
I mean, I think in many ways before it was almost like just straight up WWE and no one else. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you have AEW. I think Impact is taking steps forward, especially with their kind of their partnership with AEW. I think they definitely have some talent on their roster. Yeah. Then on top of that, you have Ring of Honor, which is a little bit more kind of like non-existent because they're hard. They don't really, I don't think they have a TV deal, right? Or is it just online? They're on like some local channels sometimes, but yeah, it's not like a, it's not an easy way to find out when you could watch that or how. (laughs) And then of course you have the indie circuit, but before it was really just WWE and literally nothing. I mean, it was just, they could do anything for three hours and that's the only program you had to watch. Now at least you have a little bit more variety Right. I mean, when, when Rich Swan is your main champion, then you know Impact's hurting. That's yeah. your main champion, Rich Swan. Yeah. Oh, my. When oh, is Ryder getting the title? <laughs> I know, really. Yeah. How is Zack Ryder? Sorry, Matt Cardona. How is he not the champion? He's been there for five weeks. How is he not the champion already? Right. <laughs> Usually it's like night one. Yeah. Right. Poor guy can't win a title anywhere. Yeah. Now he's feuding with Kurt Hawkins, Brian Myers. They're they're doing that. Like now they're feuding as if like they were some historic tag team. Right. I thought we were best friends and they still have a podcast together. So, (laughs) you know, keep kayfabe dead. I hate, hey, still hate you, still hate you. Impact, keep kayfabe dead. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Kurt Hawkins has, what do they have, the most losses of like all time for a wrestler? Well, they say that. I mean, sure. Yeah. So does everyone. Yep. He had the Gilbert streak. Sure. But the crazy thing about AEW right now is they have 11 factions compared yeah. to WWE's one. One? What's one. the one? Oh, not even. Yeah. WWE's none. Zero. <laughs> That's what I like about, you know, AEW because, like, when you like can put all these guys, like, you don't have to put them right. like, in, in the shadows like, like WWE does. At least, like, oh, you have Sean Spears now with Pinnacle. Yes. Danny Cabrera's back in the Elite. And not the Elite. Wow. Uh, the Inner uh, it's hard to keep up. There are a lot. I'd still rather have too many factions than no factions. 100%. You know, like. <laughs> 100%. I'm a factions guy. Put someone in a group. You know what you're a factions guy? Put him in a group. The only person that isn't a factions guy is Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. That's it. He's the only one. He's not a factions guy. But all they're really doing now is just partnering up people for like that have never tagged before and like, okay, we're going to send you for the belts. You know, yeah. AJ and almost, or even like in the women's champ, the women's title for a while, wasn't it supposed to be Lana and Naomi going for it? Now it's like a, like a fatal four way or some shit like that. Or, God. I mean, I don't even know who are the other teams in this match, like besides them. It doesn't right. matter because I'm not yeah. watching them. But now they're even trying to build up Natalia and Tamina as like this great tag team. But <laughs> I like, I, I, it's just an eye roll because then all you want to see is like, you finally get the riot squad back together and where are they now? <laughs> just like yeah, right you know, it seems I like mean, if, gonna- if you were to fire two women in wwe it'd be natalia and tamina <laughs> like that would be the answer oh okay yeah fire them done and done Natalia's had the belt too many times already tamina never deserved to even be in a wrestling ring my god she does not have the talent her father did yeah they tried like, to put tamina and nia jacks a tag team like for a while that's right they did that yeah that's right for shana nia jacks and tamina would have been at least like you know somewhat relevant it's like oh two huge girls together who's gonna speak them okay you can sell yeah, me do that twin tower shit all the time Everybody's but they teased work. it and i was like okay but like still it becomes the again the two formulas the unbeatable monsters who's gonna beat them and they have two you know upstarts come through and beat them right i mean at least it would have been something some interest anything yeah. and they didn't do it 
Just like Charlotte and Lacey Evans, I thought would be a great tag team. Two beautiful Amazons, like, just let them team up. Who's going to beat them? It's got to be something special. You know what I mean? And and they screwed that up, too. So, yeah, I mean, Rick got her pregnant. That was all Rick's (laughs) fault. Uh, it was almost like when NXT brought the tag team titles after they had Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez lose to Nia and yeah. Shane. And Regal says, all right, guys, I'm just going to give you the belts because, you you know, you got your tag match, but you lost. And then yeah. an hour later, they are no longer tag team champions and they lose to Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. That's so just it. like that, I mean, you introduce these titles, you give them to a tag team that I guess you feel deserved it, which they did. I mean, it was a solid match. And then just like that, gone. Like then, then all, and then all of a sudden now Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez aren't even a tag team anymore after that one match. Well, yeah, Probably not. it's all over. Yeah. You know, it's just like you kill the belts just by doing that. By when you partner up, you know, a Nia Jax who I, I can't stand her. And it's just the fact of every time I just keep thinking that she's going to kill somebody in the ring one of these days. I know. Yep. I know. Hey, look, sucks look, on the mic, sucks in the ring. Sucks. <laughs> sucks. It sucks. Like, how is she still around? And, and yeah. like, listen, I can't deal with Reginald anymore. Right? Like, like, Reginald, yeah. like, like you guys said, he's like the king of like the women's division. I think now. <laughs> it's, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, he should get the title. You know, it's twenty twenty one. Give it to him. I, it, it just like the fact that they can't even build not even just a women's division, like a men's tag title division, like a tag team division in general. It's it's miserable. It's like, like for the for the SmackDown titles at Mania, it's gonna be wh- who is it? It's Oh no! It's gonna be on the 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 Friday preview. Like Friday. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, the Mysterios, right? Yeah, the Mysterios. versus Rude and Ziggler. Yeah, I think it's like the Street right. Profits and yeah. um, whatever Alpha American Alpha. Four way. Oh, it's the four way. Yeah. But like things, things I'm not interested like in like. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't. I have no interest in this because they, these are all put together tag teams. They're not legit tag teams. Maybe the Street. Right. That's it. I have no interest in these other three tag teams that are in the match. I mean, I didn't even know Ziggler and Rude were called the Dirty Dogs. Oh. Yeah, they named themselves that, and then like it took like a month for WWE to acknowledge it. Right, it was weird. Yeah, it's like because they didn't even mention it in their like promos, and then all of a sudden they come out and they got the they got the patch on the back of the Jags. I'm like, who the fuck are the Dirty Dogs? I'm like, I yeah, no idea what they were. Such a lame name. Dirty too. Dogs. Like what? That's what you came up with, guys. That's the best you can do. <laughs> we're Dirty Dogs like a baseball hot dog right there like who the hell like i didn't even like my friends told me that earlier and they were like i was like who the hell is a dirty dog they're like oh it's rude and ziggler i was like that's disgusting yeah <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's terrible. like because right now like i've been working so much the only time i get to watch raw and smackdown is when i get to listen to you guys every week so like i listen to this shit i'm just like what the fuck's going on with the, with wrestling like <laughs> yeah Exactly. So, Clem, what is uh, whose jersey is that? Oh, the guy who just got traded today. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so I thought I thought I saw a four at the top of the four. Oh no! Yeah, gotta burn it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta retire it. Yeah, yeah. I figured it was gonna happen. In the trash after this. So I'm literally I literally wore it. I'm like, you know what? Gotta wear it for one last time. I know you guys are Jets fans too. So today's the last day. Unfortunately. Yep. See what happens. R.I.P. R.I.P. Sam Darnold. Uh, RP the Jets in general. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's like Bray Wyatt. You had to burn it down, you know, like Adam Gase. Burn it to the ground and he'll be reborn. Strip he'll be reborn. See, I always just considered Sam to be collateral damage because of Gase. I just think yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I'm rooting for him. I think I hope he does great in Carolina. Why? Like, I mean, listen, I, I've 
listen, I think he was a good soldier. I think he was a good pro. I guess my thing was, was that while I, everybody blames Gase entirely, I can't. I do blame him. I'm not saying I don't. But yeah. It's like Darnold is like, if I, every time I see Darnold throw it right to a defender, it just drives me nuts. Like, and that shit's not coachable. I think that's just, that's all decision-making and that's on him. Right. At that point. I mean, yeah. but what's done is done. So like, I mean, time to move on. Just like I said, I hope he does well. I think he's going to a very low pressure situation in Carolina. So yeah. Give me one surprising move you could see at mania Sunday with one of the matches, like one, like <sighs> maybe caught off guard type of move. Like, like Shane McMahon wins. Like Shane winning. Is that not surprising enough? I could totally see them doing that, though. I could totally see Shane winning. I think it's something big. Like Like Oscar retains. Roman retains. I was saying, if he wins, then we have to see Shane on TV for like the next month and a half. I don't want to do that. I don't want to see Shane on my TV anymore. Right. I know. It's like you you guys actually said it perfectly because every time he comes out, he's sweating like crazy. And he's yeah. out of breath. Yeah. Yeah, he's out of breath. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We see all these work videos. Are, you fa- are they deep face? Like, I don't understand what's like, happening. Every, yeah. His face is beat red. And he's just like breathing so heavily into the microphone. It's like, you can only say like two words in one shot. Yeah. Yep. And then it was just like, you know, the stupid report card thing last week with Braun. I mean, the whole, the whole setup for the feud is just like, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I have no words. I just can't. It just, it just seems like a lame-ass way to keep him on the show every single year. I mean, you figure at this stage in your life, you really want to just go back on the mania and just get your ass kicked by Braun Strowman for like five minutes? I mean... Like, it'll, it'll, it'll be cool when he when Braun throws him off the top of the cell. Like, that'll be... Right. Awesome. But other than that, I have no interest in Shane McMahon on my TV ever again. Yeah. No. It's, it's a shame. It's a shame. He was so good. It was, yeah. Like, back during the early, the early 2000s and Attitude Era, right? I love watching seeing Jay McMahon. Now I'm like, get this guy off my fucking TV. Yep. I think they should do a losing streak the way they did The Undertaker. And like every year he's at Mania, you just do like 0 and 4. Who's going to beat him? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Like, you know, who's going to beat him finally? <laughs> who is he going to finally beat? Yeah. <laughs> like I thought that would be pretty funny. Um, so just a couple more questions and then we'll, you know, we'll let you guys go finish watching yeah. Raw so you can uh, get ready for your show. Right. Oh, yeah, we're totally watching Raw right now. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but so with TakeOver, so you, you know, Cross probably went in the belt. O'Reilly went, O'Reilly probably beating Cole. Um, the one match I'm kind of looking forward to is that triple threat tag match. And I really want to see uh, GYV win it because mm-hmm. I think I really like them as a heel tag team. I think it might be too soon for MSK. Cause they literally just got there. But then again, you know, nowadays it doesn't matter. Yeah. And on top of that, the legato del Fantasma is kind of seems more like the team that's going to take the pin. Yes. Yes. More than anything, rather than exactly. We both put MSK though. I mean, we're not big fans of MSK with their horrible Borat impressions, um, but clearly they're fans of us because they do our uh, a little bit better hor- uh, Borat impressions, but no, yeah. we picked MSK. I mean, we didn't think they were going to win the, the tournament they won that so i don't know and then on top of that do you think raquel gonzalez is going to beat yoshirai oh, that was a tough one i mean, was a tough one. I, I, I mean, outside of maybe walter not winning walter retaining i think walter for me is like the only guy that i'm just 
I just see retaining. I think I could see all the other belts changing hands on uh, during Tim yeah, Taylor. right. Yep. Eo and Raquel. I feel like there's just nothing else for Eo to do. Like I feel like she gets put to the main roster on Monday night. Honestly, agreed. Agreed. There's no, there's no who else is her to run through. She's ran through everyone on NXT unless someone else comes back down or if Ember decides to, you know. Wow. Blackheart. There's nothing else for her to do. We'll see. I was so out. Yeah, I was so sold on Raquel winning for like months, like since she pinned EO at, you know, war games. But I don't know. For some reason, I like saw I, I softened on her and uh, I picked EO. So I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's just how I felt at the time. How do you feel now? The same. Yeah. <laughs> she could win, whatever. whatever. Yeah. yeah. And what about the Jordan Devlin match, which I think could actually be the best match of the night? It could be. You have a ladder match, yeah. and you got two decent wrestlers. Sure, the Absolutely. best. The best match of night is that night one or night two? Now what? Uh, I don't think night one, right? <laughs> I'm not sure. Now, but, I don't know if Devlin's going to be permanently in NXT like North America, or is he just going to drop the belt so they unify the cruiserweight title and then he goes back to UK? I think Escobar wins it and he goes back. Or he stays and feuds with him for six more months. I mean, is that the plan for Walter now? Because, like, is Walter going to be pretty much – because Walter's doing TakeOver and then he's doing this NXT UK show also. He's defending the belt. Right. I think it's just an excuse to have one of their best stars on TakeOver Mm because Walter's great and he's a really good bad guy. And I think this is just one way to have Thatcher join um, Imperium. Yeah, that's where I think it's headed to. See, I thought it was going to be Thatcher joining and Alex Wolf getting kicked out. Mm. And Alex Wolf also disappeared. No one really knew where he was either. Right. Yeah. I mean, now it seems like it's probably going to be all of them together. And I think, I mean, I like that. That was a pretty good, really good heel. And um, yeah. I mean, I think it would make sense to put him in Imperium, I guess, at this point. But right. I mean, outside of that, I mean, this, I mean, I don't know who's going to beat Walter. I don't know who they would want to build up to maybe defend, you know, to eventually. Got to be someone in the UK, though. It can't be a like. No, a, I agree. Like, I just don't know who that guy is. Like, well, I don't, I don't watch the show. Him. I don't know who at all. Who would it be? I, mean, I watch the takeovers and what I think it might be. It might be this uh, Ilya Dragunov guy. Him. I think it could be. It probably is going to be him. And then Walter comes over to the United States and does United States stuff. Doesn't he already fought Walter once, though? I think yes, he, he has. And lost to him both times. But yeah, so it's hard to give him the third, you know, shot and then get the title. So, but who knows? I don't watch the show, so I'm not sure. And actually, one match I think that like I didn't, re- I forgot it got announced right before at the end of Takeover, uh, not Takeover, right? oh, NXT last week was Pete Dunn against Kushida, mm. which I think could actually be a really good like technical wrestling match. As for the Gauntlet match. Yeah, I mean, if LA Knight loses, I mean, it's not really a great start for him after losing basically two matches already. Yeah, you know, I mean, between that and like losing to Bronson Reed, but I mean, all around though, it could be a good card. I mean, it'll definitely be a ten times better card than Mania. Yes, so, most like, likely for I mean, sure. Mania, like Mania really started out well with like the Reigns match and the build up for that, and then like as you saw the other matches kind of trickling down, it's just like you kind of just saw the same shit over and over again. Yeah. And, yep. So. Like, I couldn't be less excited for WrestleMania. Yeah, it's I am. Right. Agreed. Two nights. God. They'll do the two from here on out. Like, or is this just like a pandemic thing? So- I think it's just a pandemic thing. Because the, the other WrestleMania dates that they've already announced, like next year's in Dallas, they had one date on there, not two. And oh. it's a Sunday. And same for Los Angeles the following year. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's hope. Yeah, that's hope. <laughs> 
All right, so real quick, what are your guys' thoughts, before I get you out of here, what are your guys' thoughts on today with the Texas Rangers having all those people in the stadium, no masks, no nothing? Hey, we don't get political on this show. Come on. What are you trying to set us up to lose half our fan base? I have no comment, but I'm sure it's great to see a baseball. I'd love to see a baseball game soon. Uh, I'm probably going to take a trip to New York uh, and take my son. My son's never been to City Field. He just turned 21, so um, obviously he's a big Mets fan because I um, persuaded him when he was young. Uh, unfortunately. So yeah, I'll take him to city field. Uh, I think they're at 25%. I think Houston's at 25%. So nice yeah. and safe. Yeah. No one's getting hurt. It's hopefully. every, it's every man for yourself in Texas. Yeah. It's like a Royal rumble. <laughs> so you want to go to the Rangers stadium hundred percent and you're not vaccinated. That's your risk. What can I tell you? Roll the dice and take you know? your chances. Get vaccinated. That's what I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's my political stance. Get vaccinated and then go do whatever you want. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Boom. Yeah, I think right now for City Field, it's like 9,000 people. Uh, it's 20%. I think it's like 40-something yeah. 40, 40 thousand for City right, Field. Right. Which I think eventually will get increased as as the season goes on. I, yeah, I more vaccination. I think we're already up to 100 million vaccinations, which is great, which means yeah. it's working and a lot of people are getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Although technically it's not a vaccination. It's more of a flu shot. We don't even know if it's going to work. But, uh, you know, if I'm hoping it works. I'm praying that it works so we can get the hell past COVID and get back to life as usual. We all took it for granted how great life was until COVID came and we're stuck and we're zooming and we're doing all of this as opposed to being in the same room. It's, it is frustrating. I'm a face-to-face guy. I'm a people person. Um, and it's been very frustrating the last year. So, yeah. I mean, just, just remembering last year watching mania, like from the performance center, it was just like, <laughs> I, I mean, it was just very surreal at that point. Like, and then, yeah. you know, besides the fact there was no crowds and they were trying to like put the WrestleMania logo. And I remember they had the whole thing with the, now they're gonna do the pirate ship this year in Tampa and all that. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah, just, we'll it was just very surreal. Yep. Well, listen, guys, thank you guys for always coming on our show. Thank you guys for always supporting my show. appreciate it. And uh, yep. always love talking wrestling with you guys. And, um, well, try to enjoy Mania. <laughs> we'll, we'll try. Thank you guys so much for having us, as always. Yes. Right, guys we, will try. we will try. Uh, it'll take a lot of alcohol, but yes. <laughs> I can only assume that the next podcast after Mania or whatever we'll have, or the Raw after or whatever, we'll have plenty of ammunition. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So we'll very good crush. From you guys and Eric. So. Very good crush. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, guys. Listen, take care of yourselves. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy Mania. Enjoy all the wrestling stuff. And uh, definitely looking forward to having you guys again in the near future. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks. All right. Take care, guys. All right. See you. All right. That was the one and only Andrew and Joe Pisano from the What's Wrong with Wrestling podcast talking to us. And uh, again, we always love having them on. They've always been big, big supporters of our show. They've come on our show. Damn, they drove all the way from Brooklyn to Long Island to be on our show. And, uh, you know, we're always grateful for their support. We're always appreciative of of their support. Uh, Check out their podcast, new episodes every Wednesday. Um, You can also be a patron on on their Patreon. And they do uh, WrestleMania recaps. They do live. They do Wednesday Night Wars. Um, Definitely worth it. Clem's a Patreon member of theirs, so... By yep. all means, guys, just, uh, you know, definitely check them out. They are a lot of fun, and we always look forward to having them on. And, again, we thank them very much for being on the show. That, that drive they did from Brooklyn when we were out in Bohemia, that was like – I looked it up. I think it was, what, like an hour and a half drive from Brooklyn? I was like – Bro, that's with no traffic. <laughs> it's like – I mean, you're talking like – I mean, with all due respect, it's – yeah. I mean, depending on where they were in Brooklyn, I mean, if they were – I'm sure they were near the Barclays, wherever they were. And, um, you know, and then, of course, them going to NXT, then going to the meeting, the fan fest and all that stuff, which was all the way by the peers, if you remember, you know, 
That was a lot of fun, man. I actually really enjoyed that fan fest. I remember I took my daughter and we got up at the fucking butt crack of dawn to go there because we had an eight o'clock, uh, I think it was eight in the morning we were there because we wanted to meet Ruby Riot. That was like our big thing. And my daughter was so excited to meet Ruby Riot, like so excited. And I remember just going to Brooklyn, being in Brooklyn at 7.30 in the morning was like, it was, dude, it was weird. Like it was just very, very weird around the Barclay Center and everything. But one thing I thought was they did a really good job with the logistics and the organization and all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and again, I mean, we had to wait a little bit to meet Ruby, but she was amazing. Like there's, I couldn't say enough good things about her. No. Yeah. Like I, uh, when I went with my boys, we did the, we didn't do the morning session. We did the afternoon session. So we got to, we got to Brooklyn and the only person I was really interested in meeting was Nikki Cross. And I waited on that line. She was, she was amazing. Uh, it was it was just an overall fun week of wrestling leading up to it because we had we talked to and we talked to the Pisanos they came, and Eric they came into the studio to have a do a show with us we had we went I went we went to uh, the fan fest on that Friday or was Saturday whatever it was and then we had an, an, a good NXT that weekend and a great WrestleMania so it was overall a thousand uh, well, probably one of the best weeks of wrestling ever. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, again, you know, we, if I had to do it all again, I would probably spend the VIP money. Yes. A hundred percent. That's the one thing I would do differently. And that's not a knock against WWE, by the way, definitely not a knock. It's just the fact of waiting on a long line. I have, if I had to do it again with my daughter, I would spend more money on the VIP stuff. And then you could just wait online and you go and, yeah, pick yeah. time slot and everything. Yeah, like, like I, like I don't regret like waiting on the line to see Nikki Cross and Mustache Mountain, Ty Conti, and Keith Lee, mm-hmm. but it it just took so much like long out of the thing. Like while I was waiting online for Nikki Cross, all my friends were, they were like going out and doing other shit around there. I was like, I I gotta see Nikki Cross. Like I really need to. I want to get her autograph. I want to meet her. Everything. And it was. I don't regret it, but it was just like, I, this could have been faster. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, and the thing was, is that it was a case of you had to stop because then the VIP people get to go. Right. And then you have to wait and then people have all this shit and they want to talk to them and everything. And my daughter was getting, I mean, my daughter was, it was a couple of years ago. So my daughter's now going on nine years old. She'll be, you know, back then she was like, what, six or seven. Was it 18 was when mania was at MetLife? 19. No. Yeah. 18. It was 18. Oh, right. No. You. So you're talking three years later. So by then she's five or six years old. So, so we finally got to meet Ruby Riot. It was actually really funny because we were in the front and Ruby and my daughter was wearing a Riot Squad hat, mm-hmm. the Riot Squad uh, knit hat. And Ruby Riot saw her from where she was sitting and she waved to her and everything. And she was like, you know, and she walked over and we finally got to meet Ruby. And I just kind of, I kind of hung back. I let Riley talk to her, you know, my daughter, Riley. And, you know, Ruby Riot was so fucking awesome to her. She was like, you know, she was asking her, like, oh, how old are you? You know, are you, you know, and, you know, she was like, yeah, Riley, Riot Squad, it kind of goes together really well. And meanwhile, swear to God, the woman that worked for WWE, she is fucking taking pictures left and right on my phone. Like, they do a kick-ass job with that. I will, that's the one thing I will give WWE a shit ton of credit for. This I had literally no joke, Clint. I had like twenty pictures on my phone yeah, I was just, from what would turn out to be a five-minute meeting. Yeah, that's just, 
thing when I was doing Nikki Cross. Like the guy, I looked at my camera, uh, my camera roll after it was like 20, 30 pictures. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I think he used up my storage. But like, it was just like, and literally it was like action shots. Like Ruby signed her hat. Like she, you know, she gave her a hug afterwards because she asked Riley for a hug. And, you know, and she looked at me, she's like, oh, she's adorable. Like, you know, thank, and I just said, I, all I said to Ruby Riot was, you know, it, listen, it, it's an honor to meet you. Like, thank you yeah. so much for, you know, thank you so much for being so good to her and everything. And even when we went, like me and my daughter went to meet the New Day. I took my daughter to meet the New Day for her birthday in New Jersey. And we were there and like, we, it was, again, I would only do it again if I did the VIP shit. Like yeah. I would only, I would pay the extra money to do the VIP stuff. I wouldn't spend general admission ever again. Because you really do wait a long, long, long time. <laughs> it's like, no, it's like it's like if you go to like Splish Splash or something. It's like you're not gonna exactly. have, get the get the fast pass. Like me and like me and my daughter were like, you want to go play some video games for a little while, and then we'll just come back and you know, because again, they weren't calling numbers yet; they were still just kind of fucking around. And then, and it was literally like uh, you know, step and repeat. You ever you ever hear that term? Yeah. Step and repeat. That's exactly what it was with the new day. You know, like it was like finally when we got to take a picture, like. The New Day were cool as shit, though. They were so, they were awesome. And I went up to them with her and I was like, listen, I'm like, this is my daughter's birthday present. She wanted to really meet you guys. So I'm going to step out and I want her to take the picture with you guys and everything. And they were like, oh, happy birthday. You know, they were like, you know, they were awesome. And, you know, my, I have a picture of the New Day with my daughter holding the uh, heavyweight championship. Oh, that's cool. Because Kofi was the title, was the champion. Oh, okay. Right. So she has it like, she had to, she has it draped on her shoulder. And everything it was they were just they were awesome they were just so they were so awesome and it was just it was totally worth it but like i said if i had to do it again yeah i I would splurge i would hemorrhage my credit card for the vip shit because it's totally worth it even if you spend like six hundred dollars or whatever it costs like like i remember for when it was when it came down to buy the tickets and like who you wanted to see and i was like oh i would love to see i would love to see ronda like obviously and it was like three hundred dollars to see Ronda. You can't you can't pay that kind of money. I, was, I, 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 I love Ronda, and you know how much I love. How was it spending three hundred? Not that much. <laughs> it was like three hundred dollars. I can tell you that. Like I I forgot what the general admission tickets were, and when I met Ruby, and I remember my daughter was getting very like frustrated because she doesn't have the the highest pain threshold. Right. You know, like she doesn't have the highest tolerance to like wait. Right. It's a kid. Yeah. Yeah. She's like you know she's six. I said, I'm like, Riley, I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. I promise. Just please hold on, you know? And I'm like fucking holding her the whole time because she's getting bored. And meanwhile, there's wrestling going on and she wants to watch wrestling. Oh, yeah. It was right by where the ring was, where they did the NXT shit and everything. And that was when they did like the, uh, the Worlds Collide Battle Royal. Oh, yeah. I remember. That. Like the women and the men and everything. When Riddle came out, the place went nuts when Riddle came out. Like Riddle was in it and like the place went out. I forgot who won it that year. I can't remember who won it. I think it was, um, it might've been, uh, I think it was Kyle O'Reilly, but I, I can't remember. No, but yeah, like the whole experience was great. And even like you mentioned that, like me and my friends were online to see Mustache Mountain, Tynara Conti and Keith Lee. And we're online and all the way on the other side of the, where the other people were going, it was like Velveteen Dream and someone else. And if you remember, like, remember they had like, oh, you could do like your favorite wrestler's entrance or whatever. Mm-hmm. So at so, oh, like it was like a perfect timing. Like someone did Velveteen's music as he was coming to the. Oh really? As he was coming to the the autograph stand, and he's like Velveteen. And everyone started. And he, Velveteen, he gets up on the table and he does his thing. Like and he's yeah. everyone, 
the whole place was going velveteen velveteen and like he's 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 and he's just doing his velveteen shtick and it was yeah. amazing like yeah, I mean, listen, he was a good, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's why I look, I can't wait for Mania to come back. Yeah. Because I definitely want to go. It was a great first. I just want to go to the Fan Fest. I don't give a shit about going to Mania. I'll watch Mania at home with my friend. You know, like, I don't care about that. But I will definitely go to the Fan Fest again if they do it. Oh, yeah. I got you. Like, I would go to each one. Like, I would try to meet, like, Liv Morgan. Like, there's, like, so many wrestlers I would love to meet. It was cool. Now they do, like, the virtual meet and greet stuff. Yeah. And to me, like, if I'm spending $125, that fucking Zoom fee better not pop out. You know, like, like I, I could totally see that happening too. And I'd be miserable if that happened. Like, I can't, I, I can't, like, I've looked into doing like the virtual meet and greets with someone. And it's like, oh, $50 or this. I'm like, I, I want to, like, oh, I want to meet you in person. I, I could, if I wanted to watch a video of you on the computer, I could have done this. I could have just went to YouTube. Like, I can wait another year for a meet and greet if I Yeah, have. exactly. Like, or if we really wanted something, I'll, I'll wear a mask. Meet you. I really don't give a shit. Like, I just want to meet you in person. <laughs> so, listen, we also want to thank again, thank you to Andrew and Joe Pisano for being on our show. And again, thank you guys for being such good friends to us and, you know, always taking the time to hang out with us and talk some wrestling. And uh, we look forward to having him on. Maybe we can have him on again closer to SummerSlam or something like that. But uh, we're definitely, uh, we really appreciate them being on the show. All right. We got some time since, you know, the, not, not to say that I didn't think the meeting, the interview was going to go late or anything like that, but. I figured, what time? How much more time do we have left before we call tonight? We have about another half hour, hour, somewhere. Right. Another half hour. About another half hour, forty-five minutes. All right. You have to be anywhere. Don't text me and tell me you gotta go pick up your dad. No. <laughs> right. No, I'm just fucking with you, Cliff. Yeah, I got that, uh, I got that sandwich I gotta go make, so you know. <laughs> 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 all right so getting back to the big story of the day and that was of course the sam darnold trade yes. so we talked about it before the pisanos came on and we're going to kind of sandwich it around this so isn't it funny clem how every time the jets trade somebody to a team they play that team this year yeah. and now you got sam and the jets are going to carolina this year to play uh the panthers so i might fly to carolina to go to the game my brother wants me to come down for come visit for uh, Jets Panthers, so I actually might do it this year. I'm gonna try. I look. I I'm I'm all for it. Like I just it's gonna be it's gonna be good to see what they could do again. Like what Sam can do. Like with this offense. Like yeah, he clearly has more weapons now than he did with the Jets. And you like you said like you said earlier, he, there's a very high possibility that they could draft Kyle Pitts. Yeah, uh, I don't want Kyle Pitts. I don't want Kyle Pitts either. And here's why. And it's, again, there are, there are times where I think that prospects are really good, but they're way overhyped. Okay? And I, it's not that I don't think Kyle Pitts will be a good pro. I think he'll be a great pro. But if I have a pick in the top 10, I cannot justify that on a tight end. Because at the end of the day, Pitts is a tight end. He is not a wide receiver. He is a tight end. Okay. And he can run a four, four all day long. And that's impressive. And everything he does is impressive. I don't disagree. But if you're banking on Kyle Pitts to be this pro bowl thousand yard receiver tight end every year, then that means you have to build the offense around him. Yes. 
the only way Kyle Pitts can thrive is if you build the offense around someone else. So for example, the hot take that I've been reading lately is that the Falcons are going to draft him at four because the Falcons inadvertently kind of dug themselves a hole. They just don't realize it right now because they just restructured Matt Ryan's contract. So they're going to be with him now for another couple of years. And they didn't really have a lot of cap space to begin with. So that's why they weren't, they were very quiet in free agency. So I'm assuming they're going to try to, you know, build, you know, draft players and all that stuff. But if there's one thing the Falcons need now more than anything, it's not another offensive weapon for Sam, for uh, Matt Ryan. They need defense. Oh yeah. They need mega defensive players right now. They need that Micah Parsons in the middle, or maybe even, uh, well, actually his stock is falling now due to back surgery, but I would have said Caleb Farley yeah. from Vatek, you know? So you have to find a way to get one of those, you know, you got to try to find a way to get a defensive player. Now the problem is, is that defensive players in this draft are not projected to go very high. It doesn't seem like a strong, strong defensive class this year. Like Micah Parsons is, is projected to go like at the bottom of, of the top 10, like around nine or whatever, like, you know, Denver, you know, it's been rumored to be mocked to Denver, you know, Dallas, I think he'd be great, but I think Dallas should definitely go corner. Like, yeah. Like with, Usually in the past couple of years, at least it's been very like, you know, defensive heavy drafts. Like guy, there've been a few guys gone in the top 10 defensively this year. It's looking more on the offensive side. Like you said, there's maybe two defensive guys. You can see going to the top 10, one being Micah Parsons, the other Patrick certain from out from Alabama. Yeah. So those are the only real two guys you can see going to the top 10. And it's like, wow. Now listen, there's going to be guys that shoot up the board at the last minute. And that's why I think do not sleep on the Cowboys drafting J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn is going up a lot of draft boards now to oh, the point where he's not even a he's not even a realistic option at twenty three for the Jets. When the first mock started coming out at the end of the season, J.C. Horn was projected to go to twenty three. You know, at most mocks now he's moved up. He's in like around fourteen, fifteen. So I could see a team like Dallas, if they really like them, I think they're going to take them or they'll take Patrick Sertain the second, you know, the second, but Atlanta needs defense now more than ever. But now you, the thing is, if you trade down, you got to find a team that wants one of the quarterbacks, right? It's the only way that this is going to work. And now that the Panthers just traded for Sam Darnold, I don't think they're going to be in the market for one. I think, I think they're going to go where they're going to find somebody to probably take Bridgewater you know, they may have to take a shitty pick for Bridgewater because he still has a lot of salary due to him. And I think that they might want to go with P.J. Walker to back up Sam Darnold. But I, I don't know, man, I, unless maybe they like Trey Lance and if he falls to them at eight, he can learn. He can sit behind Sam. Highly possible. I mean, if, if they do draft a quarterback, I don't see it being day one. Like they can't I feel like they can't waste a, a pick on a quarterback when you already have. But then after that, though, I, I don't know. Do you really want to draft one of these guys? Do you think Kyle Trask is worth drafting? Do you think Kellen Mond is worth drafting? I, I don't know. Like, No, I, I, I agree with you 100%. But, like, you have a solid – I think you have a solid quarterback room right now with Sam Bridgewater and P.J. Walker. For the, two, for the couple of games P.J. Walker played last year, he didn't look bad. You know, obviously, obviously he's not a starter. But he didn't look bad. You know, obviously you don't – you're not – probably not going to keep Teddy just because of the fact you got Sam now. So it's like, who- um, okay. I don't mean to cut you off. 
here's the thing I'm going to say about, you know, just kind of the whole Sam Darnold thing. The Darnold defenders think that all it takes is building, is just adding weapons and he's going to be great, right? Right. That's pretty much the, the basis of their argument. It's like, well, you know, we didn't do right by Sam. And they're not wrong. The Jets did not put Sam in the greatest position to win. I don't disagree with that. I don't blame Joe Douglas for that, though. Mm -hmm. I blame Mike McCagnan for that. I don't even really blame Adam Gase as much as I blame Mike McCagnan, because here's why. You drafted Sam Darnold in 2018. Now, a common sense general manager, and listen, don't get it twisted, because I was a McCagnan supporter. I liked McCagnan for the most part. I loved the splashy signings he made. I loved the trade he made for Brandon Marshall, you know, when Todd Bowles was here in his first year. I, I loved all that shit. I don't... You know, but now that I look back at it in hindsight, he was a disaster. And I'm not ashamed to sit here and say I was wrong about him. He was terrible. Okay. The problem I had with McCagden was he never invested in offensive line, in free agency or the draft, which is a huge, huge red flag. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't get that your quarterback that protection, then yeah, he doesn't have a chance to succeed. Right. Okay. And then you're stuck because you buried the team in such bad contracts. You have no choice but to sign Kelvin Beecham and draft Brandon Shell. And you see what I mean? Right. But so even, go ahead. Even to the fact that, you know, like building it through the draft, you know, one like in McKagan's first year as as the GM, the quarterback was Ryan Fitzpatrick. So obviously, you know that for the that you got to draft a quarterback sometime in the future. So you start drafting some offensive guys. 2015, he drafted Leonard Williams, the first overall pick. 2016, he drafted Jamal Adams. And, 20, and 2017, he drafted... Uh, he drafted um, he drafted Adams in 17. Who drafted 16? Oh, no, Darren Lee. He drafted Williams in 16. He drafted Lee in 15. That, yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. The Hackenberg draft. So, uh, yeah, exactly. And it was Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick McCown as a quarterback. So obviously you know that you got to build an offense around your quarterback and you haven't done that yet. It literally like if you got like a guy like a I don't know the wide receiver classes in the, off the top of my head, but if you got like a wide you built a guy like a wide receiver. Well, the year that they drafted Darren, the year that they drafted Darren Lee, I said they should have drafted Brandon Cooks. Or I think it was, or was that the year that Calvin they drafted Calvin Pryor? Uh, One of those years, I said, I was like, the Jets, this was a golden opportunity to draft a receiver like Brandon Cooks. And they drafted Calvin Pryor because, of course, Rex has to draft defense. He only drafts defense. Okay. But if you look through the years that they've drafted, the last time they used anything higher than a fourth-round pick on a, on a lineman was when they drafted Chuma Adoga in the third round, and he was a bust. Yeah. Okay. But if you look at the other thing that was very disturbing about McCagnan, it was the fact that he wasted picks in high rounds. Mm-hmm. Okay. First rounders should be starters, no doubt. By the second year they're in the league, they should be a starter and they should be kicking some ass on the field. Your second and third rounders are kind of like a foundation pieces. There's a reason why their second rounders sometimes should be first rounders, but there's always something that holds it back. Sometimes it's something simple as wide receiver class. Sometimes it's simple as an injury, you know, that they were injured. They missed like six games last year. Okay. Mm -hmm. Third round is a little bit different. Okay. That's a piece that you build on for another year or two. And then by the fourth round, again, that's a guy that you should be projected within two to three years. That guy should be ready to make an impact. Right. Look back on McCagnon's drafts. 
you know, you could take out Christian Hackenberg because, I mean, that was just a complete disaster. Okay. And I believe that he got scared into drafting him. Yeah. I think he was afraid somebody was going to take him and he panicked and he drafted him. And I thought it was a terrible decision then because none of the scouting reports on Hackenberg even remotely suggested he was a second round pick. Okay. Mm-hmm. What happened? The guy never saw the field. He never played one down for the Jets in a meaningful game. See, that's a setback. That's an automatic setback right there. Because not only did you waste a high pick for him, it's a, it's a premium position. Yeah. So what that did was you had to justify taking Hackenberg. So you passed on Watson and Mahomes the year after. Right. Like it did, like I'm looking at the drafts now, like he did nothing to build this offense for the future. Like, it, like, it, like I said, in 2015, you your quarterback was Brian Fitzpatrick. Okay, so you you know you, he's not going to be your franchise quarterback, so you got to draft a quarterback sometime in the future. And look, he drafted Leonard Williams in 2000. I mean, not Leonard Williams, Devin Smith in 2015, and then until that point, Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen were after- terrible. And I think I think the year they had our Darius Stewart, I forgot was that. I don't think that was Devontae Adams, but somebody was in that, that round. I think it was Michael Thomas. One of those guys, I, one of the guys they passed on turned out to be a stud. And you look back in hindsight and you're just like, yeah, well, you don't really know what's going to happen with the mid-round guys. Right. But the thing is, is like, it's not the fact that they're not on the team. They're not even in the league. And that is very troublesome to me. The fact that they're not in the league anymore. Okay. And that can't happen. That's inexcusable. To not have a guy who's not even playing in the NFL, let alone on the New York Jets, it's it's, it's embarrassing. And even like my friends, we my friends who are two diehard Jet fans like myself, we have a group chat. And my one guy, my one friend, te- sent me a text. He's like, updating. Uh, Brian Costello tweeted out updating the list of Jets recent first rounders since 2012. Quinn okay. cut, D. Milner cut, Sheldon Richardson traded, Calvin Pryor traded, Leonard Williams traded. Darren Lee traded Jamal Adams traded Sam Darnold traded. So I'm saying, but I also think at the same time for Joe Douglas, he has to build it his way Mm -hmm. and you just got to let him do it. Now, look, we don't know if it's going to be perfect because when you go by the draft at the same time, it is a roll of the dice. Mm -hmm. The sure things are not in the draft. It's, It's no automatic. Everyone knows there's no such thing as a sure thing. But what I don't like about the Darnold defenders is, is that they give Sam a pass. And I don't really like that. I hate that. Yeah. Like, right? Because you know when they didn't want to give Sam a pass? When they were going to get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. When they were going to, when the Jets were like 0-9 or whatever, and they were going to be, you know, they were on their way to being the number one overall pick and getting Trevor Lawrence. Then all of a sudden they all turned on Sam. Yeah. All of a sudden it was Sam sucks. We got to get Trevor. Trevor's going to be awesome and all that stuff. Now they lose Trevor and right there, right back on the sand bandwagon. Yep. For a brief moment of time, it was Justin Fields. Yeah. Now it's Sam Darnold. Now we're right back on Sam Darnold. And it's the same tired excuse. Well, he had a shitty offensive line. He had shitty weapons. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. But again, I've said it on the show a hundred times. Good quarterbacks find a way to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. No, you're absolutely right. And look at a guy. A prime example is a guy like Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew was a fifth-round draft pick to a shitty organization like the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
and he took that place by storm. Granted, yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars weren't good, but you saw a little bit of promise out of Gardner Minshew. Like you saw, you saw him fighting to win games. You saw the attitude that you wanted in a quarterback, and it was like, okay, he he tried to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. You know, he did the best he could. But I don't see that with Sam. And everybody says the same thing. Well, he's got a tremendous work ethic. Really? Because I didn't see it. Here's my thing. Sometimes you have to play the hand you're dealt. Sometimes you have to just say, you know what? These are my guys. I'm going to roll with them. I have belief in them. Okay? And if you have a problem with the weapons and you go to Joe Douglas and you say, listen, do you want me to win or not? Then go out and get me a receiver. Like, I really need a better receiver than this. Like, this is nothing personal against these guys, they're, they're quality guys. They're great guys in the locker room, but they're inexperienced. They're inexperienced. They don't have a lot of experience playing in the NFL. And they're not the type of guys that scare the shit out of people. Right. You see, this is why I'm really excited about Salah's defense this year. Because we finally have a front four that, is, that can be considered intimidating. Right. Okay? Carl Lawson, Quinn and Williams, Sheldon Rankins, um, you know, and of course, and then uh, Vinnie Curry on, on certain passing downs. Then you can rotate guys in like John Franklin Myers, Jabari Zaniga. You have Fatu Kazi in the middle, another run stuffer right there. Okay. Now you have something. And then that will allow guys like Bryce Huff and Jabari Zaniga to get, you know, to, to learn and get the reps that they need. Because let's call it what it is, Clem. Adam Gase was not a teacher. He was never a teacher. He was never a guy that wanted to teach anybody. He loved the title of being the head coach. That's all he gave a shit about. Okay? And we've defended Gase more times than not on the show because part of me does think he gets a bad rap. It's not his fault that the team is complete, is a complete disaster. Right. There's a lot of moving parts in this whole thing. Right, you're absolutely right. Like, but it's like, but for God's sakes, it's like to sit here and to say, "Well, you got you got to give Darnold weapons." Is that is it really that easy? Is it really that easy to say, you know what? Let's trade the pick, get like four first rounders or whatever it is you're going to get for the guy. We'll draft Kyle Pitts. We'll draft. We have Corey Davis, and then Sam will be a Pro Bowl quarterback. How do you know? You don't know, and that's why they traded him. Like, because if it was that easy, they would have done it. They would have done it after his rookie year. Here's my question. Here's my question. Okay. If Sam Darnold couldn't do anything with the guys he had last year and the excuses, well, those guys suck. They shouldn't have been on an NFL field. How do you expect him to develop a rapport with four new receivers? Yeah. With Keelan Cole, Corey Davis, they'll probably draft a guy this year and they might even draft a tight end this year. Yeah. Because even if, yeah, even if he did come back this year, it's not like, oh, yeah, you had uh, you have Jam- Jameson Crowder and, J- and Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims missed more than half the season last year. He doesn't have a rapport with Denzel Mims. The only person he relatively would have a rapport with is, is, is Crowder. That's it. And everybody says this, too, because somebody brought it up today. And he's like, somebody said, well, Joe Flacco did had the same exact receivers and performed better than Sam. And people were like, yeah, but he didn't win any games. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He, fucking, he, he fucking performed better than Sam Darnold. And I said that. Remember what I said on the show last year? Oh, yeah. I said if Sam, if Joe Flacco shows competence in Gase's offense, that is a major indictment against Sam Darnold. It is because it look it's like okay, Joe Flacco, the backup quarterback who's supposed to be really helping you, is getting this done, and you're not. That's saying something. Now, 
Here's the funny thing about Jet fans. I saw this today and I cracked up, okay? Some guy had posted on Twitter. He's like, is there any reason why the Jets haven't signed a backup quarterback yet? Okay. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Is this really what you're concerned about right now? Is a backup quarterback? Are we really sitting here wondering, oh, my God, who's going to back up Zach Wilson this year? Who cares? You know who should be the backup quarterback this year? James Morgan. You know why James Morgan should be the backup quarterback? Because you invested a fourth-round pick in the guy. And if the sole point of James James Morgan is to be groomed to be like a competent backup quarterback who can handle the game well to the point where you can flip him to another team, the only way that's going to be accomplished is if James Morgan gets reps. If you bring in a veteran quarterback to back up Zach Wilson, then you knock James Morgan down to third string. What is that going to do for him? I think, you know, you, I, you, me, and every other Jet fan in the country was like, what the hell are they doing drafting James Morgan? Oh, we hated the pick. I don't disagree because you don't waste a fourth-round pick on a developmental quarterback. I totally agree. Yeah, so it's like, you know, you like maybe Douglas is going to bite the bull and be like, fuck it, you know what, this is my fault, my bad. I shouldn't have drafted him. No, he could just do what everybody else does, blame Gase. Just say, why not? I mean, everybody else blames him, so why don't you fucking blame him for James Morgan too? Look, and, like, again, if Sam if Sam somehow thrives in – and I hope he does do good with the Panthers. I really hope he does because I have nothing against him. I'm, I hate to see the guy's career end. Yeah. I do. But here's where the Panthers are, are accumulating a lot of risk. Nobody see the minute he got traded, everybody thinks and ESPN is, you know, blowing Matt rule left and right because like, oh, he's going to the perfect situation and everything. Sam Darnold still got to get them the ball. (laughs) Okay, it's not going to be as easy as you think he's going to put up 40 touchdowns this year. That offense is predicated around Christian McCaffrey and no one else. Yeah. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Robbie stats go down if Christian McCaffrey is healthy. No, you're absolutely right. Like that, the, the offense runs through McCaffrey. But here's the problem. First things first, you have he has to learn a new offense again. Okay, so either way, he's got to learn a new offense. Then Joe Brady has to fix what's wrong with him. Yeah. Okay, that's another problem. Joe Brady's got to fix what's wrong with him. We don't know what's wrong with Sam. Okay, now. Hypothetically, if Sam has a good year in 2021, great. But as we said before, before the Pisanos came on, Joe Brady is going to probably be a coach in the NFL next year. Yes. He's going to probably be a head coach somewhere. And then Sam's got to start all over with another coordinator. Is that what you want? And by the way, Robbie's a free agent after this year. Are you committing big money to Robbie Anderson? Yeah. like Not to mention the fact, here's the thing. The Panthers have a shitty defense. Mm Mm-hmm. They don't have a very good offensive line. Their tight end stinks. So do you trust Sam Darnold to get into a shootout with another team? And that's what, again, these are question marks. We don't really know what's going to happen. And that's the type of shit you got to figure out. On the contrary, Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur deserve the right to pick their quarterback. Right. Because we went down this road before. We could have had Matt Rule 
And fucking McCagnan didn't want him to hire coaches that Rule wanted to hire. Mm-hmm. So that's why we got Gase. You have to let the coach be comfortable in the situation. Right. Robert Sala is not going to come here if he doesn't get to make decisions on behalf of his staff. Robert Sala is not coming here. And quite frankly, the Jets have no business telling Robert Sala, we don't want Michael Floor to be the coordinator. Yeah, exactly. Okay. They have no business saying that. You want the man here? This is what he wants. He wants a long-term commitment, and he wants to be able to pick and choose his coaches. But the one thing I'm, I'm really liking about this whole thing is we know it's a team decision. Yes. It's not going to be this, well, Gase wanted this guy, and McCagnan wanted this guy, so McCagnan picked him. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's what we, we're not getting. This is Douglas, Sala, and LaFleur making the decision. Nets beat the Knicks by two. Oh, well, no Harden tonight either. Again, the fucking the fucking big three is never on the court together. Never. So called big three. Durant's missed like thirty games. Kyrie Irving takes days off whenever he feels like it. So, well, at least they got the win. That's all I care about. Fuck the Knicks. So, but again, it's just like, dude, when like we we this is the way you change it. There's got to be continuity. If you have no continuity, you have no team. No, you're absolutely right. Like, it's, Listen, if Marcus May is going to start shit, trade his ass too. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. He's not that good. He's, he's a good safety. He's not He's not elite. I don't consider him elite. You know, he's not fucking Adams or he's not Justin Simmons, you know. Yeah, he's, he, he's all right. He's serviceable. Not, not amazing, though. The thing is, if I'm a guy like Marcus May, why do I care if Sam Darnold's getting traded? Right. I, I'm going to play for Robert Sala. Right. That, if that doesn't jack you up, I don't know what will. I have no idea what will, what will get Marcus May fired up to play for Robert Sala. I don't get it. Like, you know, but that's what I'm saying. You see the fucking type of people we have on this team? No, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like you're going to use social media to, bad, to basically give your opinion of the trade because your friend – listen, Sam Donald's a friend of yours. I get it. You don't want to see your boys get traded. It sucks. It sucks. They were mocking the Jets with Adam Gase while you were trying to play, you know, play hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not an easy thing to do, man. It's not. But I don't understand how you could hate this trade if you're a Jets fan. No, I 100% agree with you. And it's just, it's just annoying when you see shit like that. It's like, come on, man. Like, this is a decent trade. Give me like five minutes. <laughs> five minutes? I'll be... Very quickly. I, I literally cannot hold it anymore. <laughs> Fine. Go. Bye. Hurry up. <laughs> Clem's got to go take a squirt. So, but getting back to what I was saying, the problem is at the end of the day is that nobody will ever be happy. And we, you know, sometimes this is what has to be done. I feel bad for Sam in a way, not because he's going to Carolina. I just feel bad because he didn't pan out in New York. The Jets have always had a history of terrible terribly developing quarterbacks they do better with veterans than they do with with rookies but it the purpose of the trade is to restart the timeline you have a brand new coach you have a brand new you have a general manager who's been here for only a year and now you have a new oc and now you have a new quarterback coming into the play and i don't know if it's going to be zach wilson or justin field it's most likely going to be zach wilson but 
the arguments for both quarterbacks are fine. I understand where people are coming from with Justin Fields, just like I understand where people are coming from with Zach Wilson. The argument that doesn't make any sense to me is Wilson has not played strong competition and Fields has. To me, that means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It doesn't matter if you played all these guys, because I could easily argue that, well, while Justin Fields played really well against Clemson, got his ass kicked by Alabama in a national championship game. And while I understand that Zach Wilson played well against, you know, average competition and he didn't play that great again. They used the Coastal Carolina game against him and everything. But by that rationale, if I'm going to sit here and say Zach Wilson is not good against competition or Zach Wilson, we don't know what Zach Wilson is because he doesn't play tough teams. I can easily make the argument that Justin Fields may not be a good pro because the history of Ohio State quarterbacks says otherwise. The history of Ohio State quarterbacks is not good. They are a product of the system they play in. Now, this could be their surefire, can't-miss prospect in a, in a long time. Thank you for rushing. I'm sorry. That's all right. So I was saying before was, now that you're back, is that the Justin Fields-Zach Wilson arguments don't really make a lot of sense. Right. Because in my honest opinion – you can easily say that Justin Fields has played plenty of good teams, and he has. You can easily say that Zach Wilson has not played as many good teams as Justin Fields, and you're not wrong there, too. They seem to be both down the line. It's really like kind of a line in the sand now between Fields and Wilson. But if you're going to sit there and rail against Zach Wilson for not playing strong competition, then I'm going to play the card against Justin Fields that, quite frankly, Ohio State quarterbacks do not succeed in the NFL. You're absolutely right. Like you can't, you got to make arguments for both quarterbacks. Like you said, like, yeah, just because he didn't have a tough schedule. Sure. Okay. When was the last time a Ohio State quarterback ever made it good and did good in the NFL? Never. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm, I'm not taking away from Justin Fields. He runs a 40 in the 4-4. I think Wilson was a 4-5 or something like that. I don't remember what it was. But again, it's just, we truly don't know. Right. There are some people who say that Fields is not a good fit for LaFleur. There are other people who say Wilson is a great fit. You know, there are other people who say Fields is a good fit for LaFleur. You know, the truth is we don't really know. Right. You know, that's the problem with this pick. But I have a lot more confidence in Mike LaFleur and Robert Sala to develop Zach Wilson than I do if it was like Adam Gase and Dow Lock. Yeah. Oh no. A thousand percent. Yeah. Because at least like you have like the, first of all, the floor family in general, it's, it, it's good to have on your team, you know? And then second of all, we, we saw what they were able to do in with the 49ers offense. 49ers offense was not bad. They were able to turn Jimmy Garoppolo into a, a Super Bowl quarterback, Super Bowl playing quarterback. They turned the running backs into great, great guys. And the wide receivers weren't that bad either. I have tons of confidence in what they could do with this offense and developing whether it's Wilson or Fields. Yeah, but I think the team is going to be different all around next year. Okay? I think they're going to be more passionate. They're going to be more fired up to play. I don't think you're going to see the same brain-dead lapses on defense the way you normally would. I really believe this defense is going to be better. Now, is it going to be – I don't think it's going to be leaps and bounds better. Oh, yeah. Uh, All-Star game just announced for Coors Field instead of Atlanta. It's a good home run derby. Oh, it's going to be a great home run derby. Are you kidding me? 
It'll be like they'll set a new record for somebody that's going to hit 30 home runs in one round. <laughs> but the confidence I have in Sala like is off the charts for me. Like and with Douglas and everything. And the thing is, again, people don't like Douglas's way of doing things because he likes to stick to a plan. It's a strategy. The strategy is I'm going to build it through the draft. I've been with the Ravens organization. I've been with the Philadelphia Eagles organization. We've always built through the draft. We've made our selections and we pounced on guys when we wanted them, but we always build through the draft. And here's the thing. They build on the draft and they start playing really well. I guarantee you the free agents are going to start coming. That's what we're going to start viewing New York as a place to play. Listen, I'm even talking about, I've been talking to my wife about getting season tickets for the Jets. That's how serious I'm about Robert Sala. Like, I haven't been this confident in a head coach since we first got Rex, you know, and you saw the way Cannonbaum built that team until Rex got there. You know, he drafted guys like Mangold, Revis, Ferguson, Harris, a bunch of these guys who were core players in that, on that team. And then the guys like Alan Fanica, Braylon Edwards, Thomas Jones, all these guys, they fell into place because they wanted, they saw what the Jets were becoming and they wanted to be here. Bart Scott, yeah. Antonio Cromarty. And, and that's what I'm saying, though. It's like you got to build it. And if you build it, I guarantee you it takes time. And it's fucking, I know, I know Jeff Fan. Listen, I get you, man. I feel your pain. You don't want to go through another rebuild. You're tired of going through a rebuild. You rebuild. You feel like you've been rebuilding forever. I get it. Yeah. But here's the difference. It wasn't done correctly. Exactly. That's why you keep going through rebuilds. You see, the problem is like when Robert Sala became the head coach and then he started bringing all these guys, right away everybody was like, oh, they're going to they're gonna win nine games this year, nine, ten games. Like, see what I mean? You're setting your expectations too high. So if they don't win ten games and they wind up going five and 11 this year, what are you going to do? You, we got to fire everybody now? Yeah, it's like you can't you can't expect it just because we got guys like Corey Davis and guys I forgot who we even signed so far. It's, I mean, you're talking about Corey Davis, Keelan Cole, Carl Lawson, Vinnie Curry, Sheldon Rankins. I mean, they didn't address the interior offensive line. I think they'll do it in the draft. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to get addressed in the draft. I think this is okay. And I'm curious to see, man, because Douglas. Don't be surprised if Douglas trades down again. You know, a couple of spots. He's going to stay at two, but. You know, if he doesn't really like what's there at 23, he might try to trade down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's without a doubt. Just, you know, we know he loves trades, and he just he just stockpiled a bunch of them by trading Sam. And the thing is, you, you, you set the team up for a lot of draft picks this year and next year. And that's one of the things that you have to – But it, you just have to understand. But, again, that's how you build the foundation. Right. The problem is, is that Jet fans have no patience. Their patience is run out. No, exactly. And I get it. We're me and you, we're both Jet fans. We know how long the suffering is. We get it. But it's look at the teams that are good now in the NFL. The Ravens, the Chiefs, the Bucks. All these teams are good. The, the Packers. All these teams are good because they built it through the draft. And then the free agents came along beside them. It's that simple. You just got to build it through the draft. So, but again, it should be a lot of fun. But the thing with me getting back to the whole backup quarterback thing is because everybody's like, oh, they haven't signed anybody. And everybody thought C.J. Beathard was coming to the Jets and he wound up going to Jacksonville, which a lot of people thought didn't make any sense, including when we had Taylor Dahl on um, last week. But here's my question, because th this came up and Jake put this on there. And, and 
I love, you know, Jake's, Jake's our boy, you know, Jake's a good dude. He's always, you know, and everything, but like, I hate this. I hate when people play this card with a backup quarterback, ready? Well, he can provide it. He could be a mentor to Zach Wilson. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. Okay. Are you really sitting here saying that Nick Mullins can be a mentor to Zach Wilson? AJ McCarron? Guys like that, no. But if they wanted to bring back Flacco, bring in Alex Smith, those guys could be mentors. Yeah, but do you really want Alex Smith when you're trying to develop a young quarterback? Alex Smith is not going to be – he's probably going to want to go to a place where he can compete. Yeah. Unless he decides to retire. Which is a possibility. It's still a it's still a possibility he could retire. But do you really want that for Zach Wilson? Do you want Zach Wilson looking over his shoulder every two seconds at at Alex Smith standing there? No, you don't. That's why I'm saying if you guys really have this belief that James Morgan can be a backup, like a solid backup where you can rely on him if Wilson goes down, or Fields for that matter then I want James Morgan to get all the reps. Yeah. I want James Morgan to get all the reps in preseason. I want James Morgan to get all the reps in, you know, in the game, in the, you know, in, in practice as the backup. I don't want AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron is going to do nothing for this team. What could AJ McCarron possibly mentor Zach Wilson on? That you're right. You're absolutely right. Because, you know, it's not like AJ McCarron started games, been to playoff games or whatever. No. Now, people use the Nick Mullins reference because Nick Mullins is the, oh, yeah, well, he knows the offense. Yeah, but you don't, he's, you're not in a rush to sign the guy. Yeah. And not, to, not for nothing, what if Gardner Minshew becomes available? Wouldn't, would you want to sign him? I would sign him. See, I'd take Gardner Minshew over both those guys. Yeah, so would Because he's one shit at least. You know, I mean, I know they were one in 15 last year, but the year before he was pretty strong. Yeah. But again, it's just, we have to stop, like, do we really need a backup quarterback? I also have a theory about Sherman, by the way. Yeah, well, I, let me hear. I want to hear that theory. But to go off the backup quarterback, I'm not scrambling and complaining that we haven't signed a backup quarterback yet. Personally, I don't give a shit. I want, I, I want to know who the starters are. I don't care who, the, who our backup quarterback is. So my theory on Richard Sherman is, is that I think, I think he's going to come to the Jets – but I think they told him, look, if you find a better option to win a ring, go for it. Right. Okay. Because it's weird that he hasn't signed yet. I think it's a little strange. And then, yeah, it's the fact that, you know, he actually, you know, didn't look bad last year either. It's like he oh, still- he was hurt, but he played well. And, he, and the thing is, like, I'm not buying this whole like obsession to Sala thing that he's doing. Like I know he really likes Sala and he's trying to hype up, you know, for see something tells me that there's like a kind of like a, almost like a handshake agreement between the jets and Sherman. Yeah. They're like, listen, here's the agreement. Here's the contract we want to give you. If you find a better situation where you can go win a ring, go do it. Right. But know full well that if you don't find that situation, you have a home here. That's what I think. I think there's some kind of a – because, Clem, I think you and I could both agree that he should be signed by now. He should be, yeah. Like today, the Lions signed Quentin Dunbar. 
You're telling me that Richard Sherman is worse than Quentin Dunbar? And it's not like, you know, there are any like stories coming out like, oh, Richard Sherman's asking for way too much money. So it's just like. The thing is, I'm not really hearing about teams that are even talking to him. Exactly. That's the other thing, too. It's like. And that's why part of me thinks that there's something up. Like there's something's like weird. Like almost like I think he has like, I think he's Sherman's holding out for like a, like a play, like a true playoff team. Right. Reach out to him and say, listen, we want to bring you in and whatever. And it's got to be the right position. He, you know, he's going to want to play. But it's odd that nobody's really gone after him. So that's why I think there's some kind of like a weird, like arrangement with him and the Jets, whereas like, if you don't get the deal you want, this deal is on the table for you to sign and we want you to come and, you know. It's very possible that happens because, again, we need – the Jets need a leader on that defense. They need, and he, they need a guy, uh, an experienced cornerback who can help teach these young guys, you know, because the Jets are very, very young in the cornerback position. Especially. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Like, I mean – but the thing is, again, there's – but none of the guys on the market right now, are they really worth it? Do you think a guy like Gary and Conley is going to make your team any better compared to a first-round pick? No. Okay. Do you really think Quentin Dunbar is going to make your defense any better? No. Now, look, they could easily go after Steven Nelson, the guy from the Steelers, but doesn't that tell you something that he hasn't signed yet? Yeah. Is he really as good as advertised, or is this just like a guy that the Jet fans got all excited about because he got cut from the Steelers? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a little weird that he hasn't signed with a team yet. It's, it's very strange. But overall, I'm a big fan of the, of the Darnold trade. Like I, I'm, you know, listen again, I wish Sam all the best. I hope he does make it in Carolina. I really do. And I won't be one of those jet fans who will fucking put on Twitter. The minute he throws two touchdowns, like, Oh, you see what I mean? We got rid of Sam and look at his fucking, this is a good shit. Right. As all those asshole jet fans do all the time, the minute somebody does well on one week and they start their bullshit. Oh, this dumpster fire of a team. They got rid of Robbie. Yeah. Robbie caught two touchdowns in the first two weeks. We never saw him again until week 13. I'm sorry. I just don't take much out of 100-yard games. Uh, they're great, but, I mean, he had three. Yeah. Not exactly a barn burner, <laughs> so to speak. You know? All right, the last thing I'm going to quickly talk about is, and I'll just be very brief, Clem, I am not getting on the Shohei Otani bandwagon. Eh. I'm off the hype. I'm a, I am way off the hype train on this guy. I think he's good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not be like, ooh, he's the next coming of Okay, but here's the problem. The problem is, is that they're fucking, he hits one fucking home run yesterday, you know, and it, you know, set a new record for opening day. Who cares? Somebody's going to break that record in two weeks. Okay. Or he threw a 101 mile per hour pitch. So what? You know, it's like, did that, you know, I watched a few of the games this weekend because apparently TV had a real, thing for the Chicago White Sox because they put them on pretty much every station over the weekend. So Shohei Otani came up and Clem, swear to God, he swung at some of the worst pitches I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, some of the worst, I mean, like he swung out on like, he struck out on like four pitches every time. Okay. Now the thing is, look, I am not, I am, in, you know, 101 mile per hour fastball. Great. Here's my problem with the whole thing. Last night he threw, he went four and two thirds innings. He threw 92 pitches. And while he struck out seven guys, he had five walks. Okay. That's not exactly a great outing for me. Five walks and four and two thirds innings on 92 pitches is not good. Okay. 
So far this year, he has three hits, two of them are home runs. He struck out six times in 16 at-bats. He's currently hitting 188. Last year, he hit 190. Yeah, like I, like I, like I can get the hype around Shohei Otani because it's like, oh, he's a great pitcher and he's a great hitter. Right? Not that, not that extent. Like, but where, why is, why are we getting the hype train here? Well, I don't, it's not that exciting. What is it? Like, I, I don't understand about this guy. Like, because he does, he can pitch and hit in the same game. So what? Yeah. It's, you know, not, but, it's just, but again, it's just like the hype train is just ridiculous with this guy. It's like, and, it, and again, it, and everybody's like, oh my God, he's, he was so good. And, you know, ESPN had the nerve to call his game last night historic. Like, on what grounds is it fucking historic? Because he threw a 101-mile-per-hour pitch? Well, it's the first time that a guy's batted second and pitched in the same game since 1903. So what? How is that historic? Like, I, I can't. Like, I, I can't. It's like, this is the new thing now. The overblown, overhype of now Shohei Otani, who's been in the league for three years, by the way. Yeah, it's... Yeah, he... But, like, and that's the thing, though, too. Even when he first came to the league, it was like, oh, he's going to get injured for being used too much. He's absolutely going to get injured. He, he already had Tommy John surgery. Yeah. I mean, but it's like to, to really get on this guy at the bandwagon is, is absurd. It's absolutely absurd. All right. Anything else before we get out of here? Yeah. I've been like viewing the Mets game out of like the corner of my eye, and it's the uh, bottom of the eighth, one out. Bases loaded for Bryce Harper. Mets are up two nothing. Not a blown Degrom start. Yep, right. it seems like it. Is he? They can never win for Degrom, but who's pitching? Uh, it looks like they're uh, bringing in uh, one of the, one of our lefties. Uh, who who are they? Aaron Loop. Yeah, probably Aaron Loop. Yeah, they just took out. They had uh, Castro come in after May. I mean, after uh, Degrom, who looked good. Castro looked good. He's very skinny. Oh my god. Yeah, he's pretty. Uh... He he's he looks like a toothpick. He's he throws fucking he throws hard, man. That's okay. the problem though with those guys is they're all they're all over the place. Sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. Yeah, he pitched good, and then May just got the base loaded. So, and now Loop is coming into face Harper. Yeah. So well, whatever. That's the match. Uh, show on Thursday. Uh no, we got we got stand and deliver Thursday. So unless you want. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. So now fuck it. We'll do a, we'll we'll do a show after Mania then. All right, sounds good. All right, everyone, that'll do it for the Moffat on the Mic show for this Monday night. Thank you, Clem and the A1 Sports Network for having me on, as always, for putting up with my shit. Um, special shout-out and thank you to Andrew and Joe Pisano from the What's Wrong With Wrestling podcast for being on our show to talk everything Mania and NXT this week. And, uh, again, they do new shows every Wednesday. You can check them out on Patreon. You can check them out on Apple Podcasts spotify and all that stuff subscribe to their patreon and uh you'll get access to their wednesday night wars they do uh recaps of all the pay-per-views and uh, plenty of other good shit as well so definitely if you are interested definitely check out their patreon and with what's wrong with wrestling but again they've always been good friends to our show and we couldn't be more grateful and we're very thankful to have them on the show on behalf of clem i am craig this is the moffat on the mic show everybody wherever you are stay safe have a great rest of the week Take care of yourselves, and we'll be back next Monday night right here on the A1 Sports Network. Have a great one, everybody.